Morning, I see Air Miles Andy's at it again. My God, he's racked up some money, hasn't he? He's apparently a trade envoy, a buffoon, if you ask me, a complete and utter buffoon. You look at how much money all these people cost. I mean, for example, one of them, uh, this is uh, flight to China, May to May 2011, flight to China, 89,000. What are they doing? Carrying him individually or something? How can it be 89,000? Why can't they just travel on normal scheduled flights? You know, and just, I mean, we know that he's been freeloading for donkey's years. And I thought we'd actually taken away all this sort of, this rubbish trade envoy stuff. It's just an opportunity for him to fly around the world to go and play golf. Um, The Queen and Prince Philip, the Royal Train, London to Balmoral, in May of the same year, 2011, 23,000. And that's, I mean, and that's the Royal Train. (laughs) I mean, couldn't you just get on a tube or something and get a minicab? I mean, surely you could do that. It would be cheaper to take the car, wouldn't it? to drive to Balmoral. You know, they've got these lovely big cars. You know, she just gets in it. I'm sure that Philip would love to have a quick poodle up the motorway. And you drive to Balmoral for, for, a, for a lot of money. The Duke of Gloucester. Scheduled flights and private jet to Tonga for a jubilee visit. This was to pay condolences following the death of the King of Tonga. £91,000. You'd think think they'd be on the internet by now trying to wangle these prices down. I mean, on one of them, there's another one here. Uh, This is Prince Edward and the Countess of Wessex. Scheduled flights to St Lucia and Antigua for Jubilee visit, Feb 2012, 23,000. And on one of them, there's one here. Prince Charles and the Duchess of Cornwall. I mean, how they work this one out, I've got no idea. Private jet to the Middle East, South Africa and Tanzania on an FCO trip on November 2011. How much do you think that was? OK. Private jet to the Middle East, South Africa and Tanzania. 460,000 quid. What a waste of money. What a waste of money. Mind you, as I say, you, you, you look at some of them. I mean, one of them, where was the, where, one of them was just absolutely unbelievable. Prince Harry. Scheduled and charter flights for the Jubilee, an FCO visit to the Caribbean and Brazil. We all remember that. £107,000, plus £18,000, £118,101 on staff reconnaissance. I mean, it's just unbelievable, isn't it, really? I've never sort of seen them written down like this before. Princess Anne, scheduled and charter flights to Sierra Leone and Ghana for an FCO trip in October 2011, £43,000. £43,000, Unbelievable. I mean, do you, think they were, do you think it's worth spending that kind of money? To be honest with you, I mean, I really couldn't give a forex. I'm not, I'm, I'm not bothered. I'm just thinking. It just seems terribly... Do they haggle the prices down? On one of them, I think you actually got um, the Duke and Duchess of um, Cambridge. Flight from Los Angeles to Heathrow. This is one way. OK. £51,000. Plus £15,000 for earlier staff reconnaissance. And I think they actually travelled, they were upgraded to first class, and then there were seven other people with them. £51,410. Seems a hell of a lot of money, doesn't it, really? Prince Harry, 107000 is way too much money. And again, the Royal Train to Scotland, Middlesbrough and Burnley, for Prince Charles and Camilla, £38,000. £38,000. I mean, do you think they're worth it? 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Perhaps they should phone up Martin Lewis from, you know, the one who's just made all that money out of Money Supermarket and say, listen, how can we save a lot of money? Because at the moment, they spend 7.9 million on staff salaries. There's obviously a lot of staff. Um, 
Buckingham Palace answers 700,000 telephone calls every year. Uh, 25,000 members of the public invited to the uh, garden parties. They have 11 craftsmen maintaining priceless antiques, and 4.6 is the average number of days each employee takes off sick. £400,000 spent on wines and spirits, obviously a quiet night, and £700,000 to remove asbestos from the south wing of Buckingham Palace. <gasps> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, the income, £13.6 for the Queen. Property grants, 12.2. Travel, 6.1. Communications, 400,000. Total, 32.3 million. So it's gone up a little bit. It's gone up 200,000 pounds because in 2011, her income was 32.1 million. But as I've said before, she generates more than she takes. She actually gives more to the government because, I mean, they are filthy rich. I mean, and Prince Andrew has milked it every step of the way. I mean, he really has. He's been a very naughty boy. Mm. Oh, delicious. I needed that this morning. I read a very strange story in one of the papers. And it, I mean, it really was the oddest story. Proving, somebody once said to me when I went over to Austria, somebody said, um, the one thing you'll discover is Austrian police are dumb. OK, Austrian police are a bit thick. And I said, no. And I never had any cause to doubt it until I read a story in the paper yesterday. It's a most horrendous story. The implications are awful. You know that you get people who have weird fixations. And this particular one is a grave robber. But he's a grave robber with a difference. He's been robbing graves since 2008. Cemetery staff have reported him to the police. The officers didn't believe the raids were worthy of investigation, but they've now reopened their inquiries. OK, this is what he's done so far. He has stolen the teeth of two classical composers. Have you heard of anything like this before? Uh, he's, he prized the teeth from Johann Strauss Jr. and Johannes Brahms. So what he did, he broke into their graves and with a pair of pliers, he took their teeth out and he wants to put them in a museum. And I'm thinking, I think we should hang you. I think you're quite clearly not all there in the head. He wants to put his collection on public display... He claims to have stolen hundreds of skulls and teeth. And he alerted police after posting a video of one raid on the web. He's quite clearly out to lunch. He quite clearly needs locking up as quick as possible. But he's now taken them from two classical composers. He's quite clearly one of these perverts who's got some fixation with teeth and skulls. So he breaks into graves in cemeteries... I mean, nothing new. It's been going on in this country for ages. Burke and Hare used to dig up bodies left, right and centre. Round here. Round here. That's why many of the old cemeteries in London, as we have discussed before, uh, had um, a night watchman in there, purely to stop medical students or, or people like that digging up fresh bodies so they could use them for experimentation. And that's so a lot of the old cemeteries in London have got little, like, pillboxes in there. And that's where the guard would sit there all night. But unfortunately, they were easy to bribe. So it was easy to dig up a fresh body and then go and sell it to a doctor. Round here. This building, that the, the site that we're on now, years and years ago, there used to be a doctor who used to buy bodies. Probably in this very studio, ladies and gentlemen. He's probably, his ghost probably lingers in the corridors. 84850 steve at or 08456060973. I wonder if Liz Fraser is going to throw a cup of tea down herself again this morning like she did yesterday. Actually, strange enough, I was watching a film, Liz, the other day, and it was, I think it was Two Way Stretch with Peter Sellers, set in a prison, and she plays the, uh, 
the sexy girlfriend. And uh, she's all over him like a rash. Although she's, she's quite clearly very fed up because he's spent most of his life in prison. It's a very good film. Wilfred Hyde White. It's a cast of millions. All famous people. It's got the lovely Irene Handel in as well. Those sort of little old ladies. Who sort of, I mean, obviously success came quite late to Irene Handel. But I always remember her crying on television. I've told this about three million times, this story. They, they had her on... I think it was TVAM, and it was Christmas time. And so they said, so what will you be doing for Christmas, I really? She went, oh, I've got nothing to do for Christmas. All my friends are dead. And she started crying on television. They had to go to a break. It was terribly embarrassing. I felt awful. I felt dreadful. And um, so it's a very good film. Very, very good film. You know, a proper, proper film, as they say. And then I was talking the other day to my friend Henry Lewis. And, uh, and we were talking about, I don't know how we got onto it, the Ballam Hippodrome. And he sent me a photo of it. He scanned it, because I was, I was saying how brilliant he is at 90-something. <laughs> and, um, and, so, and he sent me a picture of the Ballon Hippodrome, which I think used to be called the Duchess. It was a monster of a place. I mean, it was huge. A palace of variety. And, uh, oh, it was just wonderful. Do you know, when these places were built and people went in there to go and watch a show, they must have been blown away by it. Absolutely. I think it's now a housing estate. It was, it was, it, it fell derelict, then it was bombed, and then they decided just to pull it down. I mean, honestly, it's almost sacrilegious to pull these places down. And, uh, and he sent me in um, one of the programmes, which was priced at tuppence, 2D. And uh, the shows were twice nightly, 6.30 and 8 o'clock, and all seats were bookable in advance except the balcony. No booking fee. Box office open from 10 o'clock daily. I mean, what a lovely place, the Ballam Hippodrome. It was on Ballam Hill. Southwest 12, so you might be living in a flat that is on the site of this fantastic place. It's worth going onto the internet, just typing in Ballon Hippodrome and uh, images and seeing what actually comes up. It's wonderful stuff. Uh, Steve, are you for real? Of course they're worth it. The amount of tourists come just for our royal family is unreal. Shall we... No, they don't. That's the trouble. They don't. I mean, the, the, they don't necessarily come for the royal family. They come for the property. They don't come here for the, for the royal family. Don't be silly. They, 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 they come here because they want to go and look at Buckingham Palace and they want to go to Windsor Castle and they probably go to Sandringham. But they're coming to do London as a whole. I mean, she generates more money, but I, I've never subscribed to the fact. I mean, pretty much, if, if the royal family all died tomorrow, the tourists would still come here. Wouldn't make the slightest difference. People still, still go to Versailles. And yet Marie Antoinette died years ago. I love it when people sort of, they go, of course, the, people come in to see the royal family. No, they don't. No, they don't. It was just stupid. People turn on the television. You know, people will just go and visit a place. You know, I've been to Schönbrunn in, uh, in Vienna. But, you know, the royal family are all dead. OK, people go to Moscow. The royal family are dead. They were shot, as you remember, in a cellar. They didn't know they were going to be shot, sadly, the Tsar and his family. And they shot everybody. They shot the mum, the dad, the kids, everybody. And uh, and then there was balmy mad Anastasia, who sort of popped up in a, in a wood in the middle of Russia some years ago, going, I am the crown princess Anastasia. We went, yeah, of course you are, lovey, of course you are. Don't be silly. No, you're not. OK. But they, I don't think they ever found out where, where, the, where the people were buried. I think that was the problem. I think they seriously thought, when they all got ready, and I've seen the film so many times now, that they were going to be transported somewhere else. So they all got ready with their clothes on and sat there waiting in the room, and then the door opened, then he came in, and then he said a few words, and then he just opened fire. And that was that must have been the most horrendous thing ever. But, you know, people still go. 
to Russia, but they don't go to see the royal family. It's like they don't come here to see the royal family. They come to see the, the lovely buildings that we've got. Even this building. You know, they come here. They're not coming to see the royal family. Don't ever go under that illusion. Go, blimey. This is LBC 97... 17 minutes past four. Does it not disgust you, writes Paul, that your hard-earned money is taken and squandered by one of the richest families in the world? Why do we allow it when most of us are broke? I'm about to explode with rage. No, it doesn't bother me in the slightest. Strange that. 52 pence it costs me a year. You know, I think I can afford to lose 52 pence a year. And, uh, and I'm not broke. And most people aren't broke. Most people, you know, you can afford 52 pence. That's what it works out at for every person in this country. It costs you 52 pence for the royal family. And I like it. I like it. Admittedly, you know, the Saxe-Cobergs go back a, a long way. And by some strange quirk of fate, we ended up with a German family. You know, but apart from that, I'm, sort of, I'm happy with most things. I'm a bit of a... I'm a royalist, I'm afraid. I like, I like having the Queen. I like having, you know, Prince Philip... I like having other members of the royal family. I like William and Kate. I don't think he should have married a commoner, because it, it, the line becomes diluted, I'm afraid. And when the line becomes diluted, you'll end up with all sorts of uh, hanger honours, which is, which is how it's been for a long, long time. But I love the idea of a royal family. I absolutely love it. I just wish it was as good as it was. When it, I mean, they had a thing the other day. If I could have afforded it, I would have bought it. And it was one of Queen Victoria's morning dresses. As in, after the death of Albert, she then sort of went into black. She had a 58-inch waist, I think. She was a fatty. <laughs> she must have... Stu- of course, unfortunately, in those days, there were no such thing as diets. She just stuffed her face and became sort of the fat queen. And, um, and, and, and it came up, and, and they were estimating it could have gone for, I think, £1,500. And I thought, £1,500, that's it. What would you do with it, though? All you do is just take it out of its wrapping and go, this was a mourning dress worn by Queen Victoria. In the end, it went for six grand in auction, which I didn't think was that much for something owned by the royal family. But quite clear, they must have loads of them, otherwise they'd have bought it back themselves. Because they're not normally known for getting rid of clothes. You very rarely find clothes. They, they save everything. So they've got their own archive, as it were. You know, they've, they've got the archive at Buckingham Palace with all the presents in that they've been given from around the world, which occasionally they, they get a small section out and put on display. And I like that idea. I like the idea that they, they were so rich and powerful that they saw Buckingham Palace, which was Buckingham House, which was owned by the Duke of Buckingham, and they went, we'll have that. And so they nicked it from him. They said, we're having that. He went, oh, OK, fine. It's got the largest private garden in London. I like that. I like that. I think the house is, is great. It is a bit of a museum. You know, they don't, they don't live in it. They, they don't sit there. You know, it's, it's a working place. They use it for entertaining and stuff like that. And I've never been invited to a private dinner party. But never know. One day. One day. Stranger things have happened. I might be. Uh, it, 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 is, it, is it MI5? No, Daphne, it's not MI5, dear. It's not. Um, Chris says, Buckingham Palace takes 700,000 calls a year. I answer 700,000 calls a year. All trying to sell me insulation. Now, I've told you before. As we go up the country, people get balmier and balmier. By the time you get to County Durham, they're crawling up walls. Don't answer the phone. Get an answer phone. Every single phone. My phone on it. You know, my, my little mobile, my little cheap 4G phone. You know, £500. And because <coughs> I'm not going broke and I can afford the royal family. And I've got this thing. And it's got an answer phone on it. If somebody rings me, and I've got a lot of celebrities that phone, you know, asking for advice... The other, I mean, the, the phone goes the other day, and I pick it up, and I go, hello, you know, I was, I was trying to sort of, sort of chill, hello, and it's Katie, and she's going, oh, I don't know what to do, and all the rest of it, I think the Scientologists are, I said, Katie, not now, I'm just about getting the shower, love, call me later, 
So, you know, so later the phone rings, you get to Tom, Steve, I don't know, you know, I'm going, listen, leave me alone. It's because I'm on the radio, you see, and, and they use me as an outlet. You know, the late Princess Diana listened to me all the time on the radio. She absolutely loved it. She loved a bit of gossip. The Queen Mother couldn't get enough of it. Could not get enough of it. But I've always said, if you don't want to get nuisance calls, get an answer phone. We had this problem yesterday. And people go, oh, I get these nuisance... Well, don't ask... And then somebody phoned up and was talking to Duncan, who's very patient at times, bless his heart, but then he has to be, I suppose, at his age. And he was sort of... He was saying to people, you know... He was listening to people droning on about, you know, I keep them talking for an hour and a half or something. And I'm thinking, why? You obviously haven't got anything to do in your life. It was all a bit, bit disappointing, really. And my advice was just get an answer phone. And that way you don't have to answer the phone to anybody at all. I mean, if you want to, if you want to speak to these people, then speak to them. It's, it's, it's well worth it. Um, I'm picturing the Queen on EasyJet, says Kevin. Philip, my bag's overweight. I'll have to carry the crown onto the plane as hand luggage. Bagsy the window seat. And, oh, no chatting up the trolley dollies this time. You're too old for that kind of malarkey. Remember your old ticker, dear. Yes, I love that. <laughs> I mean, I see no reason why they couldn't get on EasyJet. What would be the reason why they couldn't? Is it because it's, it's considered down market? I mean, admittedly, orange is such a naff colour. There's no way round it, is there? When we went on our, our cruise ship years and years ago, uh, we, we, we pulled into Cannes, and the easy cruise ship was in there. Because it was smaller, uh, they could pull in. We, had to, we, were, we were sort of moored, or whatever they call it, out at sea. So we were actually quite a way out. And, uh, and the easy jet, the, the most vile orange you've ever seen in your entire life. Why couldn't they have come up with another colour? Why couldn't they have come up with another orange? Oh, yuck, yuck, yuck. And then they've got all those horrible people who work at Liverpool. They're like, he's jet. You know, I love... I, I can't do the accent now. I could have done the accent for a while ago, but I can't, I can't do it at the moment. Um, they do go first class. And what they do is BA will upgrade them. I've, I've seen the book. I've touched the book. Every time the Queen gets on a flight, she signs this big book that BA have got. So they've got this... It looks like a big photo album. And all it's got is the Queen's signature. On every, on every page, over and over again. It's got her, Prince Philip, they've got Diana in there, because every time they get on there, they go, would you like to sign the book? Nobody's ever asked me to sign the book when I get on a flight from BA, you know, even though I know these people. You know, and so I've seen the book, because they, they showed it to me a, a short while ago. And, uh, and it's lovely. But she must go, oh, signing again. How many more signatures do you need? And I suppose in the end you could cut them all out and mount them on photos and sort of make a lot of money with them. But, uh, but they, they do upgrade wherever possible, and they'll, they, they have a curtained-off area, so they're not going to be sitting next to anybody like sort of Leo Sayer, you know, on a journey over to Antigua or something like that. Actually, Leo was on the television yesterday and came in here yesterday to see me, which was very nice, and Tony Christie, who's appearing at the Hippodrome, starting, I think, Monday the night, which must be this coming Monday, must be this coming Monday, which is, uh, which is amazing. Which is absolutely amazing. So, uh, very, very nice indeed. And then today, today I've, I've got a... It's an actor, OK? It's a little-known actor called Willem Dafoe. And he's coming in to do me today. And so uh, I'll be chatting to Willem, or as I call him, Will I Am. And uh, he'll be... I hope I get the right one. I don't get the wrong one. I'm done all my, my research for nothing. He's got a new film out, so he's in London. And he'll be in today. And that'll be recorded for a future broadcast for In Conversation. But this week, it's going to be Leo Sayer and Tony Christie. Sha-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. Sha-la-la-la-la-la-la. That's all you get this morning. There's no, there's no more money in the budget for singing songs, I'm afraid, on the programme. 4.25. And um, 
It's it's still Katie in the paper, Katie, and Scientology, and Suri, and and then they've got questions which they sort of claim people ask you if you become a Scientologist. But I but I didn't understand the whole thing. I mean, all I remember is years ago I was out with a friend of mine who is a who is a celebrity. Okay, that's all I'll say. I don't I don't like to name drop. It looks a bit embarrassing, you know, for people who don't have any celebrity friends. And so I do it merely. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like the Blue Peter programme, where they have a dog. It's for people who don't have a dog. So you could share and pretend that the Blue Peter dog is yours. That's why they originally had the dog and the tortoise and the two cats. I have celebrity friends, so I can name drop them to you. And then you can feel like they're your celebrity friends. They're not, of course. I'm just sharing them with you. So we're walking down Tottenham Court Road, me and my celebrity friend. I don't want to mention who it is. It's too embarrassing. And, uh, and there's a sign on the pavement. And I believe it's still there. And it says, free personality test. So this, this friend of mine, who was fairly taken with personality tests at the time, said, I'm going to go in there. I said, oh, OK, fine. So uh, and it was in the days when you could smoke inside buildings. Ha! Happy days. Happy days. And so he, he goes in and, and they go, right, would you like the free, free personality test? And he goes, yes. And the last thing I said to him was, don't buy anything, because I'm very sceptical of anything. If, if the word free is up there, I know that it's not going to be free. So anyway, he, he trots off an hour and a half later. I'm sitting there. I mean, I've started growing a beard. It was so slow. And he eventually comes out and he's got these books and he's bought these books he said, God, they absolutely said they really understood me. They understood everything about me. Uh, I was sitting out there in the reception. They just left me alone. I think because I'd started to sort of look a bit manic. You know, so I'd go, ooh, like that, kind of fright, fright them a little bit. And he wasn't, he didn't know anything about, because it didn't say Scientology anywhere. It didn't say, it just said free personality test, Dianetics. It didn't say anything about about what, what, they, what they were, whether it was a religion or anything else. And he bought these books, and I said, what did you buy them for? He said, because he was really good. He said he really understood me. So he bought these books. I don't think he ever read them. But then afterwards, I said to him, I said, I think they're Scientologists. And it was that moment you sort of go, oh, no, not the Scientologists. Because they don't have a good name. And to, and to be honest with you, I'm not really sure why they don't have a good name. I know that they've had lots of run-ins on television programmes with people. They don't like being asked questions. They don't like being... They're a bit like the Masons, I suppose. That's not the Masons who live next door to you. This is the Freemasons. You know, the temple is just down the road from here, which is vast, vast temple in Covent Garden. And, um, and for some reason, the Scientologists get really, really bad press because they adopt, let's just call them not very pleasant habits. And that's what I suppose turns people against them. And yet for some reason celebrities like that kind of thing. I don't know whether or not they think, because I think you have to pay money. Was it the Mormons you pay money to? Do you pay money? Oh yes, you, you, you do pay money to Scientology. You, you, you pay a percentage as far as I remember. So, so what they obviously do is they sort of target celebrities. And they must, they must be quite quite flexible celebrities if, if they're believing in things. It's like all those people that follow, was it David Koreshi? who claimed that there was a spacecraft that was going to come down or something. And so they all, and they all sort of waited there. And you think, you must be barking mad. There's no spacecraft going to come down. And then there was all those other people in the middle of the jungle took that poison. And they all laid it because they thought they were going to a better place. Loonies! Loonies, ladies and gentlemen! There is nothing like that. But I wonder what it is that persuades somebody to do something that is so out of the ordinary. And then I've been to a mock auction... I've said on the programme countless times, they used to have lots of them in London, and you would go there and watch what seemed like fairly normal people being persuaded to part with money for rubbish. 
It's a bit like buying anything off jewellery channels on the television. It's a bit like that kind of thing, where sort of bimbos sit there and go, I can't, are we allowed, can I really do it at this price? This is the, call now, call, call this, call this, this is, and you think, oh, go away, you stupid old bimbo. Go away! Go and put your head in a bucket and take your cheap rubbish jewellery with you. I get so angry watching them, because they're such bad actresses. I mean, they obviously look like they, they're failed lap dancers, most of them, or pole dancers, or they couldn't even get themselves into a 35mm movie. And so they sit there go, this. I mean, one of them the other day, she was so excited. She go, that, and, and she's talking again to nobody. They, they talk to nobody, because they're generally studio cameras operated by somebody who doesn't want to be anywhere near these people, because they're quite clearly balmy mad. And she's got this, this, you call this number. We've, I've only got 200 of them. I thought, yes, 200, 200 bits of rubbish out there, which you're going to flog to people. If I see anybody around this building wearing cheap earrings... I'll know exactly where, where they've got them from. It'll be one of the jewellery channels. It's rubbish, rubbish. I myself have got two watches and a brooch. It's very nice. It's LBC 97.3. Time now, 4.30. BC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning. Nice to have you company. 29 minutes to uh, to five. Is to, I love the idea that now now that Katie's not with uh, Tom Cruise. She can wear high heels again, because when she goes out with him, because he's so short, she has to put flats on. So now she's, we- she's wearing high heels. Scientology have uh, denied recent claims that their officials have been spying on her. I mean, look at it logically. Man marries woman. Admittedly, there must be something the matter with him, because he's been married three times now. I mean, you know, it's, it's, you know, to, to, to have one marriage split up is a bit unfortunate. To have two marriages split up, something's going wrong. To have three marriages split up, there's something the matter with you. It's as simple as that. And so anyway, so, and then look at it logically. He's, he's a Scientologist. I don't know whether he goes regularly. I don't know how it works. I don't know if he goes to a church as such, in inverted commas, because it's, it's nothing to do with God, is it? This is nothing to do with God as we know God and Jesus and everything else. This is to do with aliens, which is a bit balmy mad, I'm afraid, as far as I'm concerned. But that's there, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you can go and worship a, a snowdrop, as far as I'm concerned, or a toffee. I couldn't care less. Not remotely interested. I just worry about the fact that the, the church then has to say, this is a church, they have to deny that their uh, officials had been spying on her. So, in other words, is it likely that they could have been, but in this particular instance, they weren't? In which case, it's very sinister. In which case, it's a very odd group of people who would actually go... I mean, what would be the purpose of spying on her to do what? She's presumably going out and doing normal things like most people. Perhaps she sort of wakes up in the morning, has a bit of breakfast, then she maybe goes to the toilet, then maybe she has a shower. I mean, these are normal things. And presumably, Tom Cruise does exactly the same. What they do is, Scientology, as far as I remember it, it teaches that people are immortal beings who've forgotten their true nature. Okay? Following this one? I mean, it's quite clearly sheep here. Its method of spiritual rehabilitation is a type of counselling known as auditing, in which practitioners aim to consciously re-experience painful or traumatic events in their past in order to free themselves of their limiting effects. There she was, just walking down the street, singing, do what did, did, did. I mean, it's that crackpot. It's that mad. I mean, it's fine, but it's not a religion. I mean, it shouldn't be confused with, with God or anything like that. They, they, it's not that kind of thing. They call it the Church of Scientology. And study materials are available to members in return for specified donations. It's legally recognised as a tax-exempt religion in the United States and in some other countries. And the Church of Scientology emphasises this as proof that it's a bona fide religion, but not as you know it. 
It's got nothing to do with God. It's got nothing to do with the Bible. It's got nothing to do with anything like that at all. And sometimes, you know, things kind of go amiss. As I say, I couldn't care less whether you want to go and worship a worm. I'm really not remotely, but you set up your own religion and worship a worm. It's when it affects people and people then go, this is slightly strange. I don't know anything about this. And it's, it's, not a, it's just a case of this sort of, they think that there is something else. But all these people, I mean, quite clearly, Tom Cruise, as a Scientologist, must be the most depressed person going. He's had three marriages. He can't even keep them together with the help of the church. Or, is, or, does, or does the church try and guide these people through their lives? Because if so, they're not doing a very good job. And they do look, you know, they do, and, and they use a cross as well. It's got nothing to do with religion. You know, this is the cross that Christ died on. What's that got to do with them? Nothing at all. But obviously, I mean, and you, you only have to look at two of their prominent members. Tom Cruise, three times divorced. John Travolta. Oh, my God, how much worse can it get for John Travolta? Is he? Isn't he? Is he? Isn't he? Here's him kissing the wife. Here's the wife going, don't kiss me, don't kiss me. You know, and all that kind of stuff. And you think, and these are supposed to be people who, if, if Scientology was any good, they would be the people who would be out there promoting it. But I've never heard them promoting Scientology, so perhaps it's a bit secret. Because you can talk to Jimmy Osmond about, about being a Mormon... You know, he's more than happy to talk about it. You go to Jimmy Osmond's website, it's full of the word of God. But he, he doesn't ram it down your throat, he's, but he's more than happy to talk about it. More than happy. More than happy. So I'm, I'm just... I'm, I'd be curious to find out if there are any Scientologists listening. I'd be very curious to find out exactly... Although I've never managed to find one in all the years I've been on the radio because most people are barred from talking about it on the radio. They actually prefer it like that. They don't really want people... They'll have a person that they'll put up but they're not really happy for anybody else to talk about it. Whereas, I mean, I don't, I don't know anything about it. But it's certainly not... A, I know it's down as a religion, but it's got nothing to do with God. And I thought that religion had to do with God, but quite clearly not. It can now be to do with spacemen and stuff like that. It's a bit strange, isn't it, I think? 0845 6060973. Strangely, when we were down at the, um, at the Mermaid Theatre, the uh, Scientologists have got a big headquarters down there. And it's a huge building. Well, it's obviously a very, very rich organisation, but then so many are in America. Wayne Rooney fell into a tree the other day. Oh, I hope his hair's all right. I worry about Wayne Rooney's hair. And he had a night out with Piers Morgan. Have you noticed how low rent Piers Morgan has gone? He hangs out with the like of Nancy Doolally and Wayne Rooney. So quite clearly, Wayne Rooney's going to be popping up on the chat show. And no doubt we'll all be laughing at his hair even more. Because I can't see any other reason why Wayne Rooney would have anything in common with Piers Morgan. Neither of them can play football. Uh, neither of them are, are particularly popular with the public. And then Lloyd Webber says that he couldn't watch The Voice on television. Andrew said, I cannot watch The Voice. And the reason, he said, they all sang out of tune. He said, I am perfect pitch. Pitch perfect he is. He said, I know it sounds awful to say, but I am. He said, so if I hear somebody singing out of tune, he said, I switch off. And he said that the problem was there all the time. Everybody was out of tune. I couldn't watch it. And he's absolutely right. He's absolutely right. Every single one of these programmes, there's so few people that come on there and can actually hit the right notes. You get a lot of, yeah, yeah, and all that kind of stuff. You, you've only got to watch boy bands who do a lot of, woo, yeah, woo, 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 kind of thing. And, uh, and you start thinking, it's because they can't sing. You know, if, if you actually gave Cheryl Cole a microphone and said, sing live, off you go, sing now, she couldn't do it. 
Couldn't do it. Could not deliver, I'm afraid. Could not deliver. 0845 6060973, steve at lbc.co.uk, or 84850. David Williams out on the town again with his little dog, which is nice, sitting outside. I think he was outside Scots the other day. He quite clearly likes going out, doesn't he? He likes being seen by uh, by people, which I think is OK. I'm more than happy. Uh, what a coincidence you mentioned the lovely Liz Fraser. I've just watched again, a couple of hours ago, the very good movie, The Americanization of Emily, with Liz and James Garner and Julie Andrews, says Tom. I don't remember that film. I've heard of it, but I can't, I can't remember it. I cannot remember it. Uh, Yogesh says, could it be the royals are spending to boost the economy by boosting jobs compared to those other rich who don't spend? Well, it's not boosting jobs. I mean, the fact that they actually get on a plane doesn't boost a job anywhere, does it? You never, you, it, it, it's never going to change that way. All they do is they just see there must be a cheaper way of doing it. But because it's the quick... I mean, can you imagine people questioning Henry VIII, for example, on why are you taking this barge? Because that's what he used to do. He used to take his barge up from London all the way to Hampton Court. People would row him up there and he would stop off at various places. But uh, but nobody ever questioned it because he was the king. Now, of course, because things are a little bit more open, we do question the royal family. We do question how much they're spending. We actually question what possible use Prince Andrew is. You know, he doesn't he doesn't actually do anything. It's just it's he's just a freeloader and he likes playing royal. That's exactly what he likes doing. It's, it's a shame, really, because I'm sure years ago he used to be actually quite pleasant. He's now become a little bit cantankerous and has hung around with, let's just call them a few undesirable people who he shouldn't be hanging around with. But you can't tell him anything because he's a little bit stubborn. He thinks he knows. And, of course, he doesn't, actually. Uh, I think it would be um, a very good idea to find out how much politicians spend on jollies. Um, well, you know... Politicians don't actually spend on job because they don't. They, they have an expense account, but they don't have that kind of thing. It, it would all, all go through their office. They would earn, say, sixty five thousand a year, plus they then get allowances on top of that. You know, and that would include travel and stuff like that. Uh, Joe says, if you think about it, Scientology is the only religion that could be real, as there's no proof that any other religion is actually genuine. Well, I'm inclined to believe one of them. I don't know which one it is, but I want, I'm trying to align myself with as many as possible. You know, it's good. Always reminds me of the Lipman BT. You've got an ology advert when you mention a certain religion. It's Scientology. Yes, you're probably right, actually. Uh, Andy is a, a bit of a free, we- a free wheeler. It's called a freeloader, actually. Uh, doesn't want to get any scheduled flights with the riffraff. EasyJet colour scheme's awful. And uh, not, not particularly good. Uh, William and Kate, what would it be first, boy or a girl? It's going to be a, wait a minute, putting on my psychic hat today. I can tell you they're going to have a boy. Okay, it's going to be a boy. And it will be announced before the end of this, uh, the end of this year. Uh, 84850, steve at uh, Another one here, which says, uh, I love the royal family and I don't begrudge them uh, any of this this money? No, I don't, I don't begrudge anything. I really, it doesn't it doesn't bother me if if that's what it cost, you know. Then fine. Heard you mention the Russian royal family. Says Paul, they never found out where they'd been buried. They actually did. There was a documentary. They found some charred bones and what was left of all the family, Princess Anastasia included. The bones were interred. Yes, I, I, vaguely in the back of my mind, I remember hearing something about this. It's a little bit difficult. They, they didn't find all the bones, did they? They, they just found sort of little bits of them. It was in the, was it in the middle of a, of, a, of a forest or something. Middle of a forest. And that, that, kind of, that kind of rings a bell to me. I don't know why. Uh, Air Miles, 6.1 million. That was the Royal Travel last year. 
Uh, Prince Harry, for all that footage, £107,000. Uh, Charles, but 52 pence. It's all it costs us for the royal family. That's OK. I can cope with that. More on Scientology. And uh, the sci-fi writer L. Ron Hubbard, who died donkeys years ago. But they didn't tell everybody he died. They kept it quiet for a while. For some, Perhaps they thought that, the, the, uh, that sort of, you know, people would sort of disappear from them. But uh, recruits wear uniforms and have to follow a strict military-style lifestyle. Youngsters are schooled there, and it's claimed that the older members work from early in the morning until late at night in bases around the world. A bit strange, isn't it, for a religion? But I suppose roughly the same goes on at most uh, sort of places. But this is a hardcore Scientology training camp. And Kate apparently didn't want Suri to get involved with it at all. So there you go. I mean, do you think that Tom Cruise phones up John Travolta and goes, oh, it's been a hell of a day today. I need some counselling or something like that. I don't know how it works. I really don't. 84850, uh There's uh, more in the paper today. Uh, scientists are going to announce tomorrow they've almost found that elusive God particle, which they say explains the universe's creation. Because I'm, I'm just fascinated by it. I've never been so fascinated in my entire life as I have. The more I think about space travel and the more I think how amazing it is and the more I would love to believe in Star Trek and things like that, the, the more bewildered I become. And, and when they go space, the final frontier, and it just goes on and on. And I'm just waiting for the very, you know, you, you keep going, you keep going. And then at the end, does it turn into something else? Is there a, you know, the land of milk and honey? And you go, good, it's another world. There's another sort of land out here. Or does it just, just get darker and darker and darker with more stars? I'm always fascinated by that. I've, I've never found the, uh, the answer to it. And, I've, and I've, I've often sort of looked at space and I've, I've tried to get excited about telescopes, but I can't quite. But, um, but they've got some fantastic astronomical photography in the paper today. It's showing planetary nebulae as seen through the Hubble Space Telescope. I mean, just absolutely amazing. It's... Uh, it's uh, published by Carlton, this book with these photos in, and it's 20 quid. And it's just amazing. It's just amazing what's out there. It's like going down into the, the depths of the ocean and discovering all these strange creatures that live down there. This is exactly the same. At one point, it's a, an elephant's trunk nebula taken by an amateur astronomer, Ian Sharp. It's just beautiful. It's just absolutely stunningly beautiful. It really is. Uh, there's a, another person having to sell off their... Uh, it's on the right-hand side, at the top. So I'm just explaining how you turn a television on round here. We're filling that st- stroke it gently and whisper sweet nothings into the side of it. That'll turn it on. And, um, and this is a, a daring Second World War flying ace who's had to sell his medals for nearly £100,000. I was... No, we're not having a lot of luck with this one, are we, really? It's obviously defeated you. Turning a television on, step three... Okay. first of all, find the little switch. It's not easy. It's not easy. I mean, in the the end, we'll have to consult, you know, the computer or something to find out. Oh, there we go. It came on and then it went off again. Isn't that exciting? That's it. I think if you keep your finger... Should we we take a short break? This could go for some time, ladies and gentlemen. This is... Morning, 13... Yeah, 13 minutes to five. Tuesday morning in London town. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. You're very welcome. See, I told you I was right. Couldn't find anybody who, who understands Scientology. Couldn't find it, or perhaps they're too busy sort of in cellars somewhere discussing what it is, you know, going, that bloke on the radio, he's trying to, he's trying to understand us. But, uh, but nobody ever comes on and tells you anything about it, because I, I don't think they're allowed to. I think they are, they are forbidden. Strangely enough, in the paper today, TV couple Eamon Holmes and Ruth Langsford make the papers today. They've revealed they are the target of net trolls. I've got news for you both. 
everybody is a target for net trolls. Everybody. The Northern Irishman who hosts this morning over the summer with his wife Ruth uh, had abuse about his weight and for having an English bride. Well, that's just sad. That's just sad, isn't it, really? But, I mean, quite rightly, you know, if some, it, it isn't an internet troll. If somebody says you're fat, you're fat. It's as simple as that. There's, there's not a lot you can do about it. That, that's just somebody telling you the truth. Because I remember once, didn't he complain about some comedic comedy programme, I think, with John Culshaw? They wouldn't say boo to a goose. And they'd done a programme about Eamon Holmes eating the sofa or something. He looked like he'd eaten the sofa. And he says it came from a teenage girl's Twitter account, adding the intensity of it was absolutely amazing. I bet you don't see half the stuff that gets sent to you. I should imagine, you know, you would get... T- anybody on television gets it. Anybody on radio, everybody gets it. Everybody gets it. But it's so easy to trace. He says, uh, Ruth had the most abusive, vile comments in a slanging match with another teenager on Twitter. The trouble is, what you must never do... I shouldn't have to explain this to somebody like Eamon Holmes and Ruth Langsford. If you reply to them, these people are sick. That's what they want, because they don't have any friends. They're they're looking for just some sort of reaction. When you eventually confront them, or the police get hold of them, they go, oh, so it was only a joke. It was only a joke. But you you must pursue it. You take them to court. If it's become that abusive, you take them to court. You don't just go to the papers and talk about it. You, you take them to court. Because you watch them kowtow. They'll be wetting themselves by the time the police turn up on their doorstep to arrest them. You know, for anybody who writes anything abusive, you take them to court. I don't know why I have to keep explaining this to people all the time. But I seem to be doing it almost on a monthly basis. Uh, if I took 52 pence off everybody without asking them, I'd get locked up. Oh, stop being so mean. Stop being so tight. 52 pence for the royal family and all they give us, all the pomp and circuit. Look at, listen, I tell you what, it shows you how out of touch you are. It shows you how out of touch you are when you actually look at the Jubilee and you look at how successful and the crowds in the Mall and all the people around the country. You must have been so lonely, you know, sitting there all by yourself without joining in. Everybody else was joining in. We love it. We love it. Uh, Scientology, for those who think religion isn't far-fetched enough, and if you really do have more money than sense, then Scientology is the religion for you. Yes, well, they always say you have to pay for something, don't you? There's no such thing as a free lunch. And in theory, you pay for church. If you go to church, the vicar passes around um, a collecting tray. Never seen anybody go, put money... Uh, sorry, money for what? You've not been very entertaining, and I've not heard one hymn that I like. Scientologists have a large headquarters in East Grinstead says Tina in Surrey. Yes, I, I, I'd heard about that. They've got this other big place with, um, as I say, down at Puddle Dock. Down at Puddle Dock. Um, agreed. I like Tom Cruise, but find Scientology a bit strange. I find it a bit strange. I find it a bit strange, and it's not because I don't understand what it is. I just think that any religion who behaves in... See, the trouble is when I think religion, I think God. I don't think anything else, you know. Otherwise, I might as well worship this mouse in the studio. I might as well, let's start a religion worshipping mice. That would be, exactly, but just as stupid as, you know, worshipping little spacemen and stuff like that. Descended from space. Well, we're not. That's a stupid thing. I mean, that's just telling people lies. That's just telling people lies. You know, that's, that, that, that's the trouble. With it. Perhaps people are gullible now. Perhaps people want to believe that kind of guff. Perhaps they like that kind of thing. Yes, we're descended from spacemen. So where did the spacemen come from? If you, if you trace it back, they come from other spacemen and they came from other... Eventually it must stop, mustn't it? Eventually there must be sort of one, one spaceman. Uh, another one here says... Um, uh, another thing, all his wives have been 33 when they've split up. Yes, it's, well, it's the magic number, 33. 
I thought you knew that. 33 is, is the magic number. 33 is the time when Tom Cruise decides, or they actually describe, d- decide they don't want to be with him anymore. But I can't remember whether or not he's finished with them or they've finished with him. And I have a sneaking feeling they've all finished with him. And that's the interesting point. Yeah, the first one introduced him to Scientology. Was, was that Mimi? Is that Mimi Rogers? I think he has two children adopted with her. Oh, uh, with Nicole, it's two children adopted. Oh, right, and he's got one now, so he's got three, three children in total. But it's funny that they've all finished with him. They've all finished with him. And yet, when you see him, he looks perfectly pleasant. He looks normal. But do you think that secretly, behind the doors, he turns into this... kind of thing? Do you think he's a, do you think he's a bit balmy mad? I've always wanted to believe that he was quite nice, actually. I don't know why. I've just, he's just one of those sort of people. I've never seen any malice. I've never seen him... You know, lose his... I think I've ever seen him lose his temper on anything. I've seen Cher lose her temper a few times. But I've never seen Tom Cruise do it. I just imagine he was sort of a fairly OK sort of guy. And yet there must be something the matter if they all leave him. They, I mean, I, I suspect that when, by the time somebody leaves somebody, they haven't just decided the day before, this has been going on for ages. This has been, you know, this, this would maybe be a year down the line when things started to go wrong. So he's been married, I think, to Katie Holmes for five years. So I reckon four years, maybe so-so. Two years, good. Third year, a bit iffy. Fourth year, really, it's, we're kind of losing it a little bit here because, you know, he wants to do... The, he probably, I think he's a stay-at-home boy. I think he likes to, he likes going out to promote the movies. He likes going out to do all that kind of stuff. I'd like to sit down and have a really good chat with him, provided it was all on the record. That would, that would be the best chat that you could ever have with a, with a celebrity. It's got to be on the record. You've got to be able to talk to them and ask them anything. Whereas if you interview any members of the royal family, you have to submit your questions in advance and they have to decide which ones they will answer because they don't want anything uh, that's going to throw them. Sort of like doing a... <laughs> a, a what's it thing on Newsnight where he grilled that poor woman. <laughs> See what I mean? Absolutely awful. Uh, there is also... This is uh, some of the, the questions that Suri Cruz would have faced. And this is the, the cult quiz. I don't know where they've got this from, but um, they say here, uh, this is, have you ever spied on anyone? Have you ever been a coward? Who have you made guilty? Have you ever done something to your body that you shouldn't have? Have you ever felt ashamed of your parents? Do you have a secret? I mean, actually, all of these things apply to everybody, don't they? It says here, have you ever been mean or cruel? Yes. No, but then it says, to an animal, a bird or a fish. Yeah, I have eaten fish. I have eaten fish. I have eaten animals and I have eaten birds, I'm afraid. So I have been fairly cruel. Have you ever been felt ashamed of your parents? No. No, that's that's really... Have you ever gotten yourself dirty on purpose? What, like jumping in a puddle? Was that getting yourself dirty on purpose? As a kid, yes, of course. And these, these questions are aimed. Have you ever refused to eat just to worry somebody? What? Where's that one come from? That's a bit of a strain. That's like an eating disorder question, isn't it? Uh, do you have a secret? Everybody's got a secret. Otherwise, you wouldn't be human if you didn't have a, have a secret. Um, who have you made guilty? Who have you made guilty? Well, when I was on jury service, actually, we found quite a few people who were guilty. In fact, I think all of them were guilty. Have you ever been a coward? Yes. Of course. Have you ever spied on anyone? Yes. Yes, 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 yes. And have you ever thought someone was crazy? Yep. 
Certainly have, certainly have, and that'll be you asking the questions. That's how I, that's how I interpret it. But if we could find somebody to uh, to unravel it, it would be an awful lot easier, wouldn't it? But it is, it's a very, very strange thing. Very, very strange. Uh, there's a man here. He's He walked into a mobile phone shop and the staff refused him a refund. He said to a complaint to staff at T-Mobile that his phone wouldn't play music. So they offered him a replacement phone instead of his money back. He allegedly blew his top. Video footage shows him tearing down displays and hurling phones and keyboards around and setting off a fire extinguisher. Uh, anyway, the, uh, he was handcuffed by the police. He quite clearly is a bit stupid. And uh, here he is. The customer's dispute was in relation to a refund that we were not able to give as it was clearly outside of the stated terms and conditions. They don't do... Uh, his name is uh, Jason Codner of Salford, 42. What a stupid man. Charged with a public order offence and criminal damage. What an idiot. What an idiot. Good Lord. I mean, you know, don't get any more stupid than that. So, um, and Wimbledon. Are we still watching Wimbledon? You know? Is anybody remotely in... Is anybody British playing? Sharapova's out, isn't she? I think Sharapova lost her last uh, match. This is the girl who grunts her way through. Like that. And in the end, I'm thinking, oh, shut up. Nobody else does it. You're just, you're just an attention seeker. Just drawing attention to yourself. Uh, the Queen's favourite songs are a blues number and a show tune. Yeah, right. I don't know how they know these things. The Queen never discusses anything like that at all. I'm from up north. I haven't got 52 pence to rub together. You have. That's why you live up north, because it's cheap property. You want to come down here and start paying the prices that we pay. In fact, James O'Brien was discussing this very topic with me yesterday. He said, he said, if I, he said, if I sold my house here, he said, this is what I could afford up in Leicestershire or something like that. He said, and it comes with two acres and staple and everything. And I said, yeah, that's it. But I mean, who wants to go and live up north? You know, they haven't even got decent, decent radio. They have to listen to us. Most people up north listen to LBC 97.3. It's proven. Every single day we get somebody who's you know, said, there, yeah, I'm up north, I haven't got 52 pence to rub together. That's a northern person. They can afford a telephone, but they can't afford 52 pence for the royal family. And that's not 52 pence a day, that's for the whole year. You can't even, can't even break it down, can you, at all? So do you think they're, they're good value, the royal family? Having, of course, now... Uh, now heard exactly how much we, we spend on travel. And it does seem an extortionate amount of money. But uh, they're used to travelling like that. Nobody ever argued with, with previous kings and queens. I shouldn't imagine that Queen Victoria ever had any trouble with, with travelling. It was horse and cart for most of the way, wasn't it? And nobody ever would have argued with Henry VIII. But there again, he was broke. They, but if they wanted more money in Henry VIII's day, they just put the taxes up and they went out and collected them. You paid to go to Hampton Court to watch the king eat his dinner. When the, when the king was in residence, you could pay a shilling, I think, and you could because I've stood in the room where the king used to eat his dinner, and you could stand there and watch, and he he totally ignored you. He never discussed anything with you. He would just eat his his dinner, and people paid, and that sort of financed the next week's holiday that they were there. It was quite a lucrative little turnover. A bit like doing a reality show, only watching some fat, overblown king eating his dinner. I'd love to know what he ate. I've seen the kitchens at Hampton Court. It's, it's mainly chickens and stuff like that. I wonder if they did rip them apart, as we always think, as in the, uh, as in the movies. So, do you think the royal family are a good value for money? I love the idea that Duncan was talking about the, the, the driving test again, having another driving test. I've often thought that's a brilliant idea, because I'm totally convinced that there are lots of people driving around on the road who somebody else has taken their driving test for them. I'm totally convinced, because some of these people... I mean, when I was coming back... Where did I go the other day? I went out... And I let a few people out. Not one of them acknowledged me. Not one of them. One just pulled right out in front of me. 
and I had to brake quite quickly. Luckily, I'm, I'm fairly on the ball. I'm, I'm not a slow driver in any way, shape or form. But not a word of fact. Normally people go, thank you, and they hold their hand up, or they put their little winker lights on. Uh, but I didn't even get that, I'm afraid. I got nothing at all. So I pulled alongside her and I gave her one of my famous Steve Allen gestures, like, thank you, and then drove off at high speed, 30 miles an hour, flooring it. All good stuff. Uh, still to come, the breast of British... Yes, I did say correctly, the breast of British. It's a mother and her four daughters who've had between them 13 boob operations and now she wants one for her daughter, 14. I don't know what sort of family this is, but looking at the picture of them, I've got a pretty good idea, ladies and gentlemen. News is next at five this Tuesday morning. It's LBC 97.3. It's July the 3rd. Sam Pittis has the latest headlines. On FM, online and... Eve Allen. Morning. Yes, I remember David Icke. He decided we were all lizards, didn't he? But there was that lovely programme on the television where we were lizards, and I think it was called... Was it V? It was, a, it was this television programme, and it was, it was really good, actually, and it was about these people, and they were all living. But, in fact, underneath their human exterior, they were lizards, and when they got in at night, they took their skin off, and they were lizards underneath. They'd come from another planet. I'm watching the, buzz, the most bizarre things, ladies. I mean, it's not normal, is it? And it was, it was V. It was a very successful television series in, uh, in America. But it was the fact that they were, they were lizards. And I was, something about lizards you can't stand, isn't it? The tongues and all the rest of it. But David Icke did think, and he did set up a sect. I think eventually he was carted off by, you know, he, he appeared to be quite normal. Then he wrote a book. And, uh, and then people just sort of dismissed him, I'm afraid, Diana. So that was the way it went. As a car driver, I would always let a driver out. Not anymore. I'm fed up with no appreciation. doesn't take much to wave to say thank you. Oh, I've been known to hoot. I've been known to hoot people. And, w- and w- believe you me, once you've heard my car's horn, it's, uh, it's quite something. It's quite something. You don't ignore it, put it that way. But this woman just pulled out in front, and I always mouth in the mirror, thank you, thank you, like that, hoping that they might have enough intelligence to realise that manners cost nothing nowadays on the road. And we are getting ruder. And the other thing I've noticed, I mean, apart from my biggest bugbear, which is cycles jumping red lights, and those I do shout obscenities at, you know, things along the lines of, I'm sorry, are we colour blind? Or, I tell you what, I'll run you over next time. You know, I like that kind of thing. I like that kind of thing. Because cycles don't adhere to the road, and that's why there are so many accidents. It's got nothing to do with the motorists, it's stupid cycles who jump red lights. If they all stopped there and waited, like the rest of us, that would be fine. But I've seen the latest thing, which is people, motorists, who don't even bother stopping at lights at all. They literally go through them. I saw the other day, I see it almost on a daily basis now, cars who get up to a red light and then they just, they just pootle over it. And you think, we need cameras really on every junction to get these people. We absolutely. But apparently the latest thing is the police are thinking of bringing in. If you uh, don't have any car insurance, you go on to a database which every garage will have access to. Every garage in the country will have access to a database. It will just be car recognition, the number plate recognition. And you will pull into a garage. If you've got no insurance, the pump will, will not be operated for you. You will sit there, as the, as the police have said, no insurance, no petrol. Now, there are lots of people driving around. I do believe there were some travellers driving around the other day. Wasn't it, wasn't it one of uh, somebody famous's son who turned up in court and had no tax, no insurance, no driving licence, no nothing at all, and was driving around? And uh, so there's lots of people like that, I'm afraid. Lots of people like that. So that would be a good idea. If somebody's got no insurance or no MOT, no petrol, and then I think it would be, it would be a very, very good idea. 
a very, very good idea to actually take that right away from them. Because if they don't need petrol, they can't be on the road. And you could stop that kind of thing straight away. But Duncan was talking earlier on about having a retest. And now, I know some people are very, very good. Some people are very, very good about driving and are very careful. Some people maybe could be considered too old. Some people could be considered too old to drive. And I don't know whether or not that there actually becomes an age where you, where you stop and you say, right, you get to, say, 65 and you can't drive anymore. Or do you think it would be a better idea to take a retest and then say, just make sure that all your sort of faculties are all there. You can see the lights. You can see this and that. Because sometimes I do drive behind people on the motorway. I mean, I drove behind somebody on the, motor, the motorway the other day. And unfortunately, there was so much traffic coming on the right-hand side of me that I'm stuck behind this person. And when eventually I went to, to overtake them, they're reading a map. They're driving along a motorway... With a map balanced on... The, well, I hooted and did my usual, well done, you clever little person, you. And they just look at you like you're mad. I tell you, policeman for a day. Policeman for a day. I'd, I'd have a, I would absolutely go ballistic. I'd be a, off, off, off. Any cycle on the pavement, jam your walking stick into their spokes. Not allowed to cycle on the pavement, I'm afraid. It's called illegal. But uh, hardly ever do you see the police doing anything about it. I mean, Damon Hill, uh, Duncan was saying, wanted less than 80 miles an hour on the motorway. Because, to be honest with you, it doesn't make any... I mean, I could quite happily poodle down the motorway at 60. It doesn't bother me in the slightest. But you do get to that stage where occasionally you think, I just want to sort of put my foot down. And then there was that 80-year-old man. He died. He was driving down the motorway the wrong way. He didn't know. Now, this is actually quite normal. Every morning when I was in Vienna, we used to do the, the travel news on the radio there. And you would find somebody who was driving the wrong way down the motorway because either the signs weren't there. And actually, talking of signs, I was, I was complaining bitterly the other day. We went, as you know, out to the Olympic Village. And it's, I mean, it really is. It's worth, worth going out to Stratford to have a look. It really is. You know, taking the train out to Stratford East and getting out, walking through the shopping centre and just having a look at the back, taking some pictures. It looks great. Really does look good. And I've done a feature on the gardens there because the gardens are quite unusual. They're unlike anything that you've seen before. They're there for future generations. It's not one of these quick planting jobs and then it all comes out again. And uh, the one thing that I noticed as we were driving around outside the Olympic site was the lack of signs. There were no signs saying, go here, go there. It was really poor. Very, very poor indeed. So when you find somebody driving the wrong way down a motorway, you can imagine, what the dickens is that? It's an old man coming towards you at 80 miles. Now, I know some 80-year-olds who do drive, and I know some 90-plus-year-olds who drive, and they're fine. But I wonder whether or not you would think that we should have to take another test. And, And we should do it, just to make sure... Just to make sure that somebody's, you know, there, they're compass mentors, they can read a sign, they can see, and they're able to keep the car under control. Do you, I mean, that, would that be a good idea? I wouldn't object to that. I wouldn't object to having to take another driving test, just to make sure that my facilities were all together in one place, in between my ears. And then I was able to... I mean, and also, the speed limit of less than 80 miles, it wouldn't make any difference if you made it 30 miles an hour on the motorway. On the Westway, it's 40 well, there's every car and van and branded vehicle doing 60, 70 miles an hour on the Westway, coming into London onto the Euston Road. And they're not supposed to. It's written on the road, 40 miles an hour. It's written signs by the side of it, 40 miles an hour. And t- people totally regard it. And that's everybody. That's everybody from licensed minicabs to black cabs 
to lorries, to coaches. They all thunder down there. And yet it says 40 miles an hour. If you put a speed camera on there and just click them all, you'd make a fortune. An absolute fortune. Because the temptation is, you think, if they're all doing that, I'll do that as well. And that's when accidents occur and then people go, oh, I had no idea. This car just pulled out. Yes, but of course, had they pulled out and you've been doing what was the speed limit, you'd be fine. But they tend not to do that. So I wonder if you think having, having an extra driving test would be a good idea. It's not an insult. I don't think it's an insult. It's just making sure that you're going to be safe out there. I'm sure many elderly people would welcome that. Alfred. Uh, morning, Steve. Morning. Uh, how's things? All right. Good, yeah. Do you, uh, think, you think it's a good idea? Pardon? You think it's a good idea? What? To, uh, I, think, I, th- I think there should be a cut-off point for drivers. If I'd have stayed in the army, I'd have become an instructor, but... I think 65 should... I'm 75 now. Right. But should I tell you something? I was driving into Preston one day. I'd gone past this speed camera about 20,000 times. This time, I was, I was speeding. I, I was doing 36 miles an hour. The camera clocked me, right? I'm going to, I get to the summons and all the rest of it, and I was given the choice between going to court and being fined and having an endorsement or doing a day's retraining. Mm. I took the day's retraining. Yes, I, I did that well, as well. You are right. Well, you know the score, don't you? When yes. they ask you when you're first in there, you know what you think of yourself. I said, I stood up, I said, I'm good. I said, I've done it all my life. I said, you know, I've done it for a living. I was a lorry driver, a cabbie and all the rest of it. And I said, I'm good anyway. Sit, sits down. Hmm. He did the classroom thing in the morning and then we did the um, the practical in the afternoon. Isn't it boring, and I got a police instructor. Oh, it's so did, dull. Pardon? It was so dull. The worst thing was in our one, a woman stood up at the end and went, um, I've, I've, I've got another speeding fine coming up. Uh, will I be coming back to here again? And he went, no, you only get to do this once. It's, it's not a recurring thing. Yeah. Anyway, do you know what? At the end of the day, you stood up and they said, they said, well, what do you think? I said, well, I said this morning, I said I was good. I said, but now, I said, I'm not as good as I thought I was. Yeah. But I'm better than I was when I came in, you know. Yes, I, I think mean, everybody should do did it. You, did you get the same film where they have a film and you're the driver, it's on the computer, and then a woman pushes a pram into the road? Well, we saw all those sort of things, yeah, yeah but, uh, yeah, you know, all those situations. You have but to sort of test it. instructor with us, when mm. he took us out, he gave us a test first of all, a young lady and me, and then uh, he demonstrated it. And, you know, the police... They, they comment on what's going on up the road. What a brilliant fellow he was. He was the highest gold award um, mm. advanced driver in the country, and he'd been a, a police uh, instructor, you know. I but was amazed. Yeah, I was um, amazed at how many people were actually... And they, they hold the, these courses all over the place. All over I the place. I think everybody should do one, whether you get picked up or not. Yeah. Well, put it this way, I mean, I, mean, I mean, the way that everybody drives now, it's not going to take too long for people to be picked up. Ours was full. There must have been about 30 in our class... And then the following day was, and I said, "How often do you do this?" He said, "We do this five days a week because you can you can pick a local, you know, place to you." I did Ealing, and uh, to be honest with you, it means that you don't get the penalty points on the license. And I was speeding, and I'm a bit I'm a bit Clive Bull. Clive Bull would have people on the phone saying, "Oh, I was only doing." For, he said, "But you were speeding. If you're speeding, that's illegal. That's why you get fined for it." So I wasn't I wasn't going to sort of you know plead anything apart from guilty. And you do it, and they and they say, well, we're, we're going to offer you the chance to go and do this this speed awareness course, this driving awareness course. So I did it and was horrified. I just got another 35 people. And they come from all walks of life. It's everything. Young, old, middle-aged, everybody. Everybody. So I quite like the idea that we can have this, this sort of retest, but perhaps without 
people having to speed to get to it. But it doesn't matter if you put the speed limit, as Damon Hill was saying, less than 80 miles a mile on a motorway. It won't make the slightest difference. People will still speed. You will still, I will still be driving down the motorway at 70 miles an hour on Friday or, or Saturday or Sunday, and still cars will be bombing past me. What I like to do is really annoy them. I like to sit in, in the overtaking lane at 70 miles an hour until some little boy racer comes up behind me. And then the moment he actually gets right behind me, and you can see that he's pushing his car as much as possible, I just push the accelerator and I just leave him in the distance and, and I smile. <laughs> News headlines with Sam Pittis. Thank you, Steve. Plans have been published. At LBC 97.3, London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, 18 minutes past five. Many years ago, Richard tells me in the Royal Navy, Prince Andrew joined a new ship. When introduced to the captain, he said, by the way, you may call me Andrew, to which the captain replied, and you may call me sir. Yes, I always thought that, actually, when Andrew was in the uh, the Navy, I thought he wanted people to call him Sir. I, 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 I have to sort of correct you slightly, because I remember reading a story about it where somebody was saying he, he quite liked people looking up to him. He was, he was, he was very happy with that kind of thing. Uh, John's got a problem with the podcasts. Last Sunday's In Conversation and Monday's regular programme. Is, is it not downloading for you? I shall get them. We shall pass that on, and uh, we, w- we will check it for you. He says, I have, I have re- rebooted everything. Listen, you're, you're talking to somebody who hasn't got the faintest idea what you're talking about. I know nothing about podcasting. Nothing about things like that. I'm rubbish with those sort of things. But we will, uh, we will actually check it, OK? And uh, we shall find out. The subject of the Mormon Temple, the place in East Grinstead is the Mormon Temple, says Richard. Thank you. It's not headquarters, is it? I thought it was head- headquarters down there. They've got temples all over the place. Uh, another one here. This is uh, from uh, Harry. And uh, he says, what variety of grass is used on the lawns? I don't know, but it never lasts very long, does it? Have you noticed that they did an overhead camera shot the other day and already, when we had Wimbledon for a short time, they've got, you know, the bare patches of grass. But it's supposed to be the, the best hard-wearing stuff, but quite clear. It'd be better playing on AstroTurf, wouldn't they? You don't think so? I'm, I'm not really bothered about Wimbledon anymore. I, I, don't, I don't follow it in any way, shape or form. I know people queue there and they get excited, they sit on the hill, and then people go to centre court, and then some people knit and some people don't knit. Uh, the forecast for today, the weather forecast, let me tell you, starting off dull and overcast with patchy light rain or drizzle, outbreaks of rain carrying on through the day, and it could turn heavy and prolonged at times, feeling humid. 18 centigrade, currently it's 16. It's only going to go up 2 degrees, so it's nearly as good as it's going to get. Tonight, rain will spread to all areas, could be heavy at times overnight. Good, 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 good. Cloudy with outbreaks of mainly light rain tomorrow. There will be some bright conditions with scattered heavy showers developing in the afternoon. For Thursday, dry and bright with a chance of scattered heavy showers. Friday, heavy rain with thundery showers. And Saturday, dry to start then rain or showers. It's just, it's just wet, wet. And then they had the audacity to tell us on the news. I, I'm flicking through the television first thing this morning, and they said, did you know that June was the wettest month on record? I thought, no kidding. No kidding. The wettest month on record. That's what we thought. We thought it looked fairly wet as well out there. Um, I'm sure a retest for drivers when they reach 70 is automatic now, says Dad. No, it's not. No, you can keep drying, dr- driving for ages. Uh, Steve, the royal family of value for money, certainly better value than our overindulged, overpaid, arrogant MPs who can't even be bothered to turn up for work for important decisions. And Rich says the insurance, no insurance, no fuel won't work, as all these people will do is get somebody else to go and fill up a jerry can for them and put it into their car. Yes. Uh, Kevin, having his milk float, of course, he says, when I used an electric 
milk float. I had a car overtake me on the wrong side of a traffic island, causing a police car coming the other way to do an emergency stop, and the police did nothing. See, that's, that, that is a big problem, isn't it? I mean, I see the most awful, the most awful driving on that, as indeed we all do. But I'm totally convinced that some people... Are, I mean, yesterday, there was a car... I was just about to cross the lights, and a car went over red. It was carrying Polish number plates. And quite clearly, they had no intention of stopping at red number plates. If I'd had a stick, I'd have whacked it on the roof of the car so hard, it would have caused them to have an accident. I would have done that. Because, you know, people who drive like that are going to kill somebody at some point. And we see more of it in the courts nowadays. Bad driving, people with no tax, no insurance, people driving cars that aren't even roadworthy. But this one, everybody else was sitting at the red lights and he just drove straight over. I would have... uh, I I, I would have hit it, I'm afraid. I would have done that. Uh, We just downloaded the podcast. Seems to be fine. Uh, John's best bet, go onto the website and email the help side of it. Because it's, it's fine our end. Fine our end, okay? We've had a look at all the other ones and it's, it seems okay. Could actually be just a, a blip on your side or something like that. But uh, normally, if, if I'd had a number of those complaints of somebody saying I can't actually download the podcast, then I would think it would be a problem our end. But as you're the only one and everything else is, and, we, and we've just downloaded it and it, it's fine for us as well. So that, that's why I suspect the problem could be your end. I know you say it isn't, but it actually might be. Uh, what's not realised, says Diana, is that older people's reaction time becomes slower with age. They may see well, but they're not able to react quickly enough to sudden dangers. Yes, I mean, I do sometimes I feel so sorry. You get two little old ladies sitting in a little car. And they sort of, they pootle out there. Actually, on the subject of little old ladies, Pat in Stansted says, uh, I said at least my old car, 1926, will not have to have an MOT next year. And he said, this is the MOT man, that those with much younger cars in the 1960s who will not have to have an MOT might find it difficult to insure them. Some insurance companies will refuse to insure some cars that don't have an MOT. You see, I thought that every car had to have an MOT. Even in, in fact, even more so if it was early. Does anybody know that? Does anybody know the answer to that one? So, 1926, her car doesn't have to have an MOT next year. So, I know new cars, you don't need one for three years, do you? But then, old cars, do they just do away with the MOT? Anybody help us out on, on that one? I do love this, uh, this new programme. I think it might take off. It's called Celebrity Bitch Slap News. And it's, what it is, it's, um, it, it's actually quite, quite clever. It's, it's spoof sketches but using lookalikes and real people. So, in other words, at one point, they've actually got David Walliams and Simon Cowell bathing together. So it's sort of... It's, it's, it's like a spoof celebrity gossip show uh, that is every celeb PR's worst nightmare, all as, Im- as uh, imagined by BAFTA. It's got Kate and Camilla taking a dip in a, in a spa hot tub with fags on and everything else like that. It's very irreverent. And, uh, and it's got some, some really good stuff. Some really good stuff on it, so uh, you must look out for that one. It's called Celebrity Bitch Slap News. It's definitely well worth checking out. Definitely well worth checking out. Now, I did mention that this week, it's amazing how we know so quickly, but we do, uh, for In Conversation this week, it's Leo Sayer and Tony Christie, who's appearing at the Hippodrome. I think Monday, I think Monday, I hope it's going to be open in time for Monday. Uh, Patrick tells me that the car cable ride from XL to the O2 is great, if only it lasted longer. Great views from up there. I hope you have time to go. Did you see the one in Switzerland? The, the, the Swiss have now eclipsed us. The Swiss have a cable car that looks like a bus with an open deck on the top. 
and you're suspended. It looks horrendous. It looks like a funfair ride. It's absolutely enormous, this thing. And people, and it's swaying backwards and forwards, but you're so high up. It does look wonderful, though. I talked about uh, Chipperfield's models the other day, and Brigitte says, we have a set of Chipperfield circus models still in their boxes. David has a big collection of circus models, never gets them out. He doesn't think they're worth much. The Chipperfield's ones are. They go for serious money. Serious money, the Chipperfield's. You can't get them. You can't get them. If, if they're still in the boxes, they're definitely worth money. But there it gets part of a collection, so you'd never get rid of them at all. And, uh, and one from Noreen who says, did your brother do his car boot set? He did, but he didn't do very well with it. I think it was the weather. And uh, Brian, her old man, went to Holland and Barrett, and by buying their magazine, got £80 worth of things for £19.99. And on the subject of the barcoding, we've now discovered that Morrison's was selling for months Mange 2 for 10p more than on the shelf. Every week I went to customer service and told them the computer needed to be adjusted. They never did put the computer the right amount in, so consequently I wonder how many people for months were overcharged. This comes down to my story the other day of Marks and Spencer's. And for two weeks now, they've priced a couple of their Sunday papers incorrectly. One comes up as 95 pence, which is the Daily Star on Sunday, whereas in fact it was 60 pence, but the week before it was 50. And they haven't adjusted it, because apparently, according to the manager, it's done by head office. And the other one is the, uh, the Sunday Express, which should be pound thirty on their till, comes up as one thirty-five. Now, you, you have to check... Because he says that this is set by head office. So we worked out yesterday that quite clearly it must be every Marks and Spencer in the country. So I might have to go and check this weekend in Marks and Spencer's in Kingston to see if they're doing the same. I might actually have to buy two sets of papers, really, to see if it actually works like that. Vic, morning. Good morning, Steve. Morning. So any car built before... Before 1960 will, we'll, from, I believe, October, November this year, be exempt from road tax, uh, from the uh, MOT. Oh, right. Oh. Most people... I do quite big classes car shows on the Isle of Wight, Steve, and yeah. um, uh, a lot of people are a little bit reluctant about it because that, that check is so important Good regarding gorgeous. when you want to sell the car, mm-hmm. and it, it just gives a, a history of the mechanical capability of a vehicle. What's the, what's the thinking behind not having an MOT? Well, I think the... the poss- I, I really don't know, but the, my theory is, is that these cars do in a, approximately 1,800 to 3,000 miles a year, generally most classics. Right. And uh, I, I honestly don't know. Maybe they're overloaded doing MOTs. But we think it, we don't think it's a very good idea, I think it's Steve. ludicrous, because if you've got an old car, the, the, the MOT tells me that it's in working condition. Exactly. And, and believe you me, these MOTs do find problems, whether it's a new car yeah. or a classic car. Yes. Uh, there's, there's always something that needs doing. I mean, how on earth are you going to know whether your brake pipe is corroding yes. or... Uh, you know, unless you're a real enthusiast and you've got it on the kitchen table every five minutes mm. to have a look underneath or it. Or your brakes are even working. E- exactly, correctly, yeah. However, so that's, that's the position, but in, within, the, within the sort of classic car fraternity, a lot of people in prominent positions are not exactly happy with the idea. And, mm. and I can see why the insurance are going to put the, the insurance up, because there is no, there's no connection between the car and a history. Yes. I mean, mm. I can imagine them actually sort of going out there. So somebody doesn't have an MOT because they've got a classic car, in inverted commas. They have an accident, and then it turns out that the brakes don't work, and the insurance company goes, well, you know, your brakes didn't work. Exactly. I mean, I, I can see lots of cases of things being thrown out of court, or fairly that people going to court to try and get the money out of the insurance company. Yeah, but it's not just brakes, Steve. It's also yeah. uh, body Steering. work as well. Yes. I mean, there's no question about it. Old cars 
do rust. Yeah. People do look after them, but this, there's all, unless you're underneath that car and you have a look at it and correct things, nothing's going to sort of... Um, yes, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've had cars that have had rust before oh, now. Not, yeah. not recent years, of course, but, uh, you know, I have had in the past. And I've often thought to myself then, I, I, I do like that MOT. It tells me something. It tells me that the headlights are working. It tells me that, you know, all the things that should be there. So I foresee all sorts of problems. And also, an MOT isn't really that expensive, is it? I didn't think it was that expensive. It's LBC 97.3. It's Steve Allen's uh, early breakfast. And uh, we'll take some more of your uh, texts and emails. So we're, d- we're debating whether or not we have a retest for people. If they say get to 70, this is for driving on the roads. If, you, if you're sort of driving on the roads and at the age of 70, do you think a retest, it's not an insult. It's just to make sure that somebody's facilities are there and that their, their mind is still sharp. OK? It's LBC 97.3, 5.30. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Oh, there you are. You come back again. 27 minutes to to six. And uh, so we're talking about the the speed limit on the motorway. To be honest with you, I don't think we should actually change the speed limit at all. I'm quite happy with it being being there at 70 miles an hour because people are braking it anyway. You know, even if you made it 80 miles an hour, because on some places you actually, it it would be fairly safe, but most people drive like complete idiots, I'm afraid. Um, uh, We're also talking about how how rude people are on the road. Nobody says thank you. Nobody says thank you at all, at all. Uh, My RBS Jubilee £10 mint banknotes turned up the other day. They look magnificent. Did you order any? No, I don't need to order money. I have so much of it on me all the time. (laughs) I've got a pocket full of it. I can do the Asda advert all by myself. Uh, From November... Cars pre-11-1960 will not need an MOT, says Ian. Owners will be responsible for certifying that their cars are roadworthy. My club, Austin 10 Drivers Club, is issuing a guide for owners. Um, it, I mean, I, th- I, th- I think that's going to be so dangerous, because if you're a, an older person, and I've seen some older people driving some fairly old cars... You know, I would want to make sure the thing was roadworthy because I wouldn't know anything about it. Mind you, I suppose if you have got a classic car, technically you you would know about it, you know, all the way, wouldn't you? I suppose. I suppose. Uh, please say happy birthday, says Jane in Slough, to my lovely friend Gary. We met you at the Mermaid last Christmas. And you can sing him happy birthday. Sadly, I can't sing happy birthday. We, we only do that on special, special occasions. Uh, another one here. Uh, I think all these bad drivers says Harry, yet you still think cyclists are the biggest danger on the road. One and a half tonnes of steel versus 20 pounds of bike. Yes, well, it's the fact that I have to sit there at a traffic light. I know that cars kill, bikes can save the planet. No, they don't save the planet at all. Put it this way, if, you know, if, if, if bikers had their way, I mean, you wouldn't have any roads without the motorists. Because bikers are so tight and mean, they, they will afford a little piece of pre-fluorescent jacketing and, and a, and a go-faster stripe and a whistle. And that's about it. But they don't want to contribute to the road. If you said to every cyclist, right, uh, we're actually going to charge you a road fund licence for being on the road, and then you can contribute to it, they'd be up in arms. Ooh, we'd be able to do things like that. And yet they're more than happy to stick their bikes on the train. Oh, no, 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 no. As long as bikes observe all the rules of the road that the rest of us have to observe, then that's fine. If they jump lights, they do get a mouthful from me. Absolutely. Uh, old historic cars don't need tax but need an MOT. No, it's the other way around, I'm afraid now. They do need tax. You've got to have tax to be on the road. It's uh, absolutely a legal requirement. The only person who I believe doesn't have tax, I think, is the Queen. 
What's she not have a, what does she not have on the car? Oh, it's a number plate, isn't it? I don't think she's got a number plate on the car. There's certainly something she doesn't have on there. Um, Marion says, just out of interest for anyone, podcasts won't play on Kindles if there's an apostrophe in the title. I couldn't understand how most of yours wouldn't play until I did some research. These type, uh, these type, you have to change the title in the ID tab. Well, everybody's managed it so far. We've only, only ever found one person, Marion, who actually can't do it. Yes, it's what? No, she's not going to put apostrophes in now. So there you go. Immediately it's changed. Steve says, while we're on the subject of driving, running on side lights is not legal. Since 1986, the legal minimum requirement is dipped headlights, even in lit areas. Yes, it's also, of course, illegal to drive with your fog lamps on if it's not foggy. I've been pulled for that before now. Because, you know, when you buy a car, you actually like to have the, you know, the fog lamps because it lights up on the dashboard and it looks quite nice. And, uh, and I, I got pulled by a policeman for that. He said, you've got your fog lamps on. I said, I know. He said it's illegal. He said, but I, 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 won't, I won't tell you anything now. Uh, Mark says, David Icke may be barking mad, but he's made millions out of his book sale. No, he hasn't. That's the trouble. He hasn't made millions. I was going through a list the other day. There was a list on the back of a, a magazine. I've left it at home. And it showed you how many copies of books had been sold. It's amazing how few copies of books have been sold. It really is amazing. I think Sam for Ears, Sam for Ears, from The Only Way is Essex, who's done her book all about Essex, which, uh, you know... Pff- they're all rubbish. It's only sold like 20,000 copies. In other words, hardly worth bothering printing the thing. Hardly worth bothering, you know, to, to print the thing in the, in the first place, which is a bit of a shame. Uh, another one here. Oh, that's right. People, you know, we've spoken in the past on the programme about, about breast enlargement. And as a family in the paper today, the only reason I mention them is because it's one of the saddest stories ever. It's a mother and her four girls. Between them, they've had 13 boob operations. And they look um, just ridiculous. Just ridiculous. The mother, apparently, is a professional psychic. For that read, another barking mad person who claims she can talk to the other world. But they have a 14-year-old sister... And uh, she's her name's Brittany because they've all got names. You've got Chantelle is the mother, fifty-three. Terry, Tara, Ripley, Emma, and Brittany. Brittany's fourteen, and they say she already dyes her hair blonde and wears lots of makeup and tan. It's only a matter of time before she starts saving for new boobs. She's fourteen. I don't know how she's going to save for this, but there you go. And so they've all got them. And uh, the Marshall girls. Th- this woman has four. Girls and four boys. She's got eight children. She's not with the father, of course. And um, and she says that she's... Brittany has admitted, considering joining the bra-busting branch, she says, maybe I'll get them too. Brother says, I think it's hilarious. I don't understand girls sometimes. He's 20. He's 20. We, you know where we're coming from here. But uh, they've spent £50,000 on the boob jobs and they've been dubbed the Kardashians. Sorry, the Kardashians. Uh, of the uh, of the East Midlands after the US TV family are obsessed with their looks. Now, the difference is this lot look a little bit like trailer trash. The Kardashians look, you know, as if they're sort of somewhat better. Somewhat better. But, I mean, what a ridiculous thing to talk about. So they've had 13 boob operations, and this woman is so-called... She said, I walk down the street and everybody thinks I'm their sister. I quite clearly don't think so, I'm afraid, on that one. But, uh, you know, they're in their own little world, this sort of group of Kardashians. Uh, more on Hollywood's... Superstar, and uh, it's uh, it's Tom Cruise. He reaches fifty today, so he's fifty today. And they say, well, Andrew Morton says Katie couldn't cope with Cruise control because presumably, you know, to be very successful and make no bones about it, Tom Cruise is very successful. It must be quite difficult to live with him. I should imagine it must be nigh on impossible, and that's why nothing seems to last. I'm afraid. Uh, 
Neil says, love that, what was he, he sent me a, a lovely picture in of this shirt. I think it's M&S. In fact, actually, I, w- I would always swear to God it was M&S shirt. I only seem to wear uh, M&S. Uh, Avril says, there is a Mormon temple at East Grinstead as you enter going south on the A22. But the headquarters of the Scientologist is at St Hill, which is south of East Grinstead, off Imberhorn Lane. A huge estate with a mansion and a newly built castle where L. Ron Hubbard used to live. I've been there several times as they have public events like concerts and summer garden parties. Anybody can go on a guided tour of the whole house where you see people studying in classrooms, but the history is very interesting. You'd enjoy it. I probably might, actually. It's a long way to go. I've never been to East Grinstead. Perhaps I should put it on my, my list of things, you know, where, where to... Oh, it's not, apparently it's not worth, worth, worth going. Everybody said to me, don't go to East Grinstead. You won't like it, Steve. You won't like it. Um... Another one here. I said uh, I saw a car stereo in a well-known car shop. Label states reduced to half price now, £69. An old label says 79 I asked why the sale markup was shown as half. Well, it was £10. She explained the price goes up and down due to promotion. I tried again to secure a better explanation, but I've not been able to find one. She was reverting to the fluctuating argument. I walked out in disgust. A car? I didn't know people buy car stereos. Do people buy car stereos now? Good Lord. How amazing. How amazing. Other stories in the uh, papers today, apart from the uh, Scientology one, which, is, which I think is going to rumble for some time. It's going to rumble. It's the, the royal family. It's uh, Prince Andrew and his sort of uh, strange uniforms that he wears. I don't know what he's supposed to be associated with now. Uh, Katie and the Scientologists and the boot camp fear. So that's, that's going to run. They're going to do that for some time until eventually they sort of find out more. But it's business as usual for Air Miles. And he's still costing a fortune, even though he's quit as trade envoy. He's just after the free holidays and the free flights. I don't know why. I don't know what he does, actually. Uh, most expensive trip, second most expensive trip of the year, was Prince Harry to uh, Belize, the Bahamas, Jamaica and Brazil. £107,000. So it's quite expensive to send these people over, isn't it? I mean, do you not think that they, they could do video conferencing? Save us a lot of time. This is Prince Harry. OK, so you're, you're, you're on, Harry. You're on now. And that would be so much easier, as opposed to actually having to send him to these places. Because that's when it starts costing money. And if you look at the, uh, the prices, Princess Anne, for her scheduled and charter, charter flights to Sierra Leone and Ghana, was £43,000. You'd think that British Airways would sort of waive the cost. I mean, am I just being a bit... But sort of naive. Would they not sort of offer the royal family free trips? Would that not be, you know, the, the, the entourage can pay, but the actual royal family should get it for free, shouldn't they? I would have thought so. Uh, Charles and um, Camilla cost us a small fortune. A private jet to Saudi Arabia for a royal funeral. OK, in October 2011, was £67,000. Why couldn't he go, char- you know, normal aeroplane? 67000 The royal train... From Scotland to London for an official engagement, £20,520. Now, this is very interesting, because I'm looking at here, private, uh, no, private jet. See, if you do a private jet, London to Balmoral, it's £17,000. If you do the Royal Train from Balmoral to London, it's £20,000. It's cheaper to take a plane. I would have thought it would have been the other way round. And the Royal Train, London to Penzance... £20,000. Royal... Tra- See, isn't it funny? The Queen and Prince Philip take the Royal Train, London to Balmoral, and it cost £23,640 on May 2011. Prince Charles also takes the Royal Train uh, up there from, uh, from Scotland, and that costs £20,521. 
somebody's overcharged the Queen by £3,000. I mean, did she have extra nibbles or something? Was it sort of, you know, cooked breakfast on the train? Prince Andrew, though, is the one. I mean, he really is. Flights to China, Thailand, Hong Kong, Malaysia, 92,000. Flights to China in May 2011, 89,000. Return private jet flights, Surrey to Saudi Arabia. Uh, for that's the the UK trade thing. But he's not the UK trade envoy anymore. So what's he still taking it for? Answer is, he likes freeloading. He goes out to meet people and to play uh, play Big I Am. Scheduled return flight to Singapore for UK trade envoy. £18,000. Well, how can that be? A scheduled return to Singapore? It can't be 18000 If you go first class, can't be 18000 Why is he paying so much money? You do get the feeling that sometimes that they need to look here. I know it comes in to the public. It comes in from the public purse. And they spend a lot of money. A lot of money on having all these things done. But I mean, to be honest with you, they need to shop around a bit more. Somebody could be very enterprising on this and sort of offer the royal family a deal and say, for sort of £3 million a year, I'll whiz you all around. Or failing that, just make them drive. Give them mileage. We give you 36p a mile. You know, that would be the thing to do, wouldn't it? As opposed to Andrew hopping on and off play. Who cares? Private jets here, there and everywhere. Queen's flight to Scandinavia for Prince Charles and the Duchess of Cornwall, 38,000. That's a flight out to Scandinavia and a flight back from... £38,000. be cheaper to take the train, wouldn't it? Or perhaps they, they, they could do... That seems an awful lot of money to me. The Royal Train to Scotland, Middlesbrough and Burnley and then back to London, £38,000. That train's a, a vast drain, as far as I'm concerned. So what do you think? Still OK? Still OK to have them sort of, you know, using all these flights and Air Miles Andy... Or is, some, is the Queen finally going to get round to giving him a slap on the wrist and going, will you stop it? Prime Minister Six Gas says, I drove into London yesterday and cut up a couple of cyclists at a busy junction. My new combine harvester works a treat. Can you imagine taking a combine harvester? It isn't until you go out of town, actually. Funny well, you should mention that, because you just sort of struck a chord with me. Because I remember last year driving out of town and watching a combine harvester in a field... And being so fascinated by it, because it's, they're, they're so enormous, these things. And then seeing over in Canada, where they have, like, 50 of them lined up just to sort of harvest all the, uh, all the corn and everything else. It was great, great to watch. But apparently living in the country costs more than living in town. A lot more to live in the country. I don't know why it costs more to live, in the, to live out of town. I've loved, I'd love to live out of town. That's what uh, James O'Brien was saying the other day. It's just not very practical. £2,000 a year more... To live in the country. So what are you buying out of the country that we're not having in town? Apparently, you've got lower crime rates, bigger houses and gardens, plus the great outdoors on your doorstep, but it costs you two grand a year more to have it. I thought it was cheaper out in the country. Uh, What annoys me about cyclists, Steve, is the lack of hand signals. We're motorists, not mind readers. How often have you waited to turn left, waited for a cyclist to go past on the inside, and then they turn left themselves? Oh, many times. Many, many, many times. But uh, you see a lot of East European cars on the roads now with no road fund licence at all. And the the chances are they probably don't have any insurance. So just be very careful. I told you, when when my car was hit by uh, an East European lorry who was operating over here, like a pickup truck for, for a garage, he had no insurance at all. Had no nothing. No nothing at all. Absolutely disgraceful. So, uh, so just be careful. Um, it would be cheaper to get the Britannia back rather than Andy. It helped drum up a lot of trade and could be used as a hospital ship. Yes. Uh, Bill says, what about the use of the RAF planes? He has the use of on the quiet. Well, he, he, he takes helicopters out now, doesn't it? What happened to the millions and billions of pounds Barclays and uh, GSK have been fined? What happens to it? I don't know what happens to it, actually. 
We spend it on lollipops, I suppose. We'll get a free lollipop. 290 million, wasn't it, Barclays were fined? I think that just goes into Treasury. As far as I know, it just goes into Treasury. Um, a lot of people... Apparently, Steve, you don't want to go to East Grinstead. We've got Peter Andre, the Scientologist, Mormons, uh, and apparently all the Meridian lines cross here, which is why we get all the weirdos. <laughs> so we've now got Peter Andre down as a weirdo, poor soul. We know he's not the brightest penny in the box, but... Uh, so that's what it is at East Grinstead, is it? Is that all it's famous for, East Grinstead? The Mormons... Peter Andre and the Scientologists. would <laughs> be, be delighted to be lumped together with the Scientologists, wouldn't he, really? Uh, the subject of uh, driving. Uh, originally, our roads were never made for driving, and as the volume, says Jeff, of traffic increases every day, it becomes more importantly a matter of common sense. Rules and policy on driving change from time to time, depending on circumstances. Very important in the modern climate that as a driver reaching your 70s, for example, that if you're retested, it should be explained and the encouragement should be there. Yeah, I mean, I don't... I, I, if, if I'd got to 70, I wouldn't mind having a retest, just to make sure that I, I was there. So if, if you were particularly lax in one department, like braking or signalling or something like that... I mean, the amount of times I've been out with, with friends in the car and I've gone, well, you just have to tell me where to go. And they go, OK, left. And you go, you're literally within a foot of where you're supposed to be going left. And also, you look in the mirror and there's a car coming up, so you can't do that. So I, go, I have to go round again. So you drive around again, and then you get there, and they say, right, left now, left now. And you manage to sort of get in there. They go, oh, sorry, this was the wrong road. <laughs> you could happily throttle people, happily throttle people. What do you mean roads were never made for driving? I think all the ones in London were definitely made for driving, as far as I remember. Um, do you not think the MOT on cars is really a money grab, says Colin? No, absolutely not. I think it's absolutely essential to know that your car is roadworthy, that the brakes are working, that the lights are working, that everything's working. I don't want to take the car out of the garage and it blows up or something like that. I know they're supposed to ensure the vehicles on the road are in working order, but here in Ontario, a test such as this is not required and we don't have a problem with mechanically unsafe vehicles. Over here, a car must have the equivalent of an MOT whenever it's sold, either new or used, but once purchased, a car never has to have one again. Oh. You see, I would, think, would you not want to know? I mean, I wouldn't know if my brakes were going, apart from the squealing and the fact that they would lock. I did actually have a car many, many years ago. Many, many, many years ago. And um, it was a little blue Mini. And I remember coming up to some traffic lights and I put my foot on the brake and nothing happened. Nothing happened at all. And I went into a complete breakdown because in those days... I'd, I don't think I don't think people worried too much about cars. I mean, mine had rust all over it and dirty windscreen and cracked and things. Oh, it was awful. But I, I remember getting to the traffic lights, and what I did was I mounted the pavement. It was like a scene from the Italian job. I mounted the pavement, drove around the lights, and popped up over the other side. Thinking back on it, I mean, it was very lucky that nobody was actually coming towards me, pushing a pram or anything like that, because it could have been highly dangerous. But I had no brakes. Because when you don't have very much money, you've, you've got the car, you want the car. That's why, like, Mark the Bailiff goes out and collects all these cars, because people haven't paid for them. And people tell lies, and so he goes around and, and collects them back in again. But so if somebody hasn't paid for a car, the chances are that it doesn't have brakes that work, it doesn't have anything. Because they're not going to waste any... I wouldn't have known where on earth to take a car to have brakes done. I really wouldn't. Now, of course, I know it's called a garage, but in the early days, I didn't know any garages at all, I'm afraid. So I don't see it as a money grab, Colin, but I, 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 I take the point. Take the point a lot. Uh, Steve says it does cost more to live in the country because you have to drive everywhere. Well, I don't... See, I wouldn't mind that. I wouldn't... I, I, I liked living in the country. I couldn't do it now. It's a bit too dark, I'm afraid, to go and live out of town in the country. 
That's what I think, anyway. Um, I've downloaded, says Marion, uh, hundreds of podcasts to my Kindle. Couldn't understand why I couldn't play most of Steve's. Uh, I had no problem with Nick Abbott's and sometimes a problem with Christo until I found out the common denominator. If there's an ampersand, whatever that is, uh, or apostrophe in the title, it comes out as... And it would only play on an MP3 and not the Kindle. The ID tag needs changing. So there you go. So there you go. She's made a note of it. She's made a note of it. OK? But nobody else had ever mentioned that at all. Nobody else had ever mentioned it. We'll have to check on the apostrophes now. Um, they're thinking, which is a very good idea, in the supermarkets of um, sharing a database between all the supermarkets to stop them wasting food and giving it to the homeless. So, so very soon the homeless will actually be eating better than we are because all this stuff that goes out of date. At the moment, there is a company called Fairshare and they collect surpluses from the food and the drink industry and they go and distribute it to around 700 charities, including the Salvation Army and homeless shelters. There's me thinking the Salvation Army, when they do their, their collecting, they're collecting to buy their food. No, they're being given it. They just go and distribute it. So it might as well be sent to my house and I'll go and distribute it to the, to the poor and the down and outs. Waitrose are going to uh, donate surplus food from all branches to charities by the end of this year. How much do they have? Do they have a lot of surplus food? Not surprised the prices are so high. But uh, they say now that charities who are increasingly working with families who can't afford to feed themselves would use the information to arrange pickups of food and other unsold products, and then they would give that to um, to the poor and the needy. Perhaps I can put my hand up and be poor and needy. You know, if I'm going to get, perhaps I can get some free washing up liquid or something like that. That'd be quite a nice idea. So what it is, it's the end of their shelf life. And they'll, it'll just scan everything. So when, when you put all the, the information in, it will then tell you this shelf here needs clearing of, you know, maraschino cherries or something. So the, the, the down and outs will be eating those with Rivita or something. I don't know. I mean, you're never going to get a tin of beans, are you? Because the sell-by date is like years in advance. You don't need to worry about anything that's in a, in a tin. So it's obviously going to be things like sandwiches and cooked meats and stuff like that. But I wouldn't want to touch cooked meat if it was sort of slightly on the turn. So I'd, I'd be slightly worried about that. We have found a vulgar hotel. They call it the Hotel Vulgari. It's not actually called that. It's called the Bulgari. It's in London. It's in Knightsbridge. And the cheapest room here is um, about £850 a night. So a reporter went down there. Now, to me, it looks perfectly OK. He thought it was crass and vulgar. He didn't like anything of it. I'm looking at the sitting room of one of the uh, the rooms, the dining room table. It looks nice. And uh, he says, by, by comparison, the Ritz is £402 and the Savoy 414 The Bulgari, or Bulgari, is practically full every night, including the penthouse suite, which is 14400 a night. But to people who are rich, this is nothing. You've got the penthouse, which says something more about you. And um, he reckons dinner was about £900 for two. And so he's, he's, he's moaned about it all the way through. And um, he says that we, we went into the, into the restaurant. He said, the lighting is harsh. The acoustics appalling. What on earth does the dress code of elegant, smart, casual mean? Elegant, smart, casual. I quite like that idea. And he says, you, the table booked before 7.45 must be vacated after two hours. We noticed two skinny Middle Eastern women who spend their entire dinner texting and don't look up when the waiter brings them their next lettuce leaf. He says, one thing that strikes me at the restaurant, he says, nobody's having fun. Well, of course you're not, because it's it's not a... Fu- if you want a fun place, go to Joe Allen's. 
go to sort of TGI Fridays. But if, if you want sort of something a bit more sophisticated. But um, it says your seven little mouthfuls uh, come in at £28. So we've gone for the a la carte. My anchovy salad starter falls into this category and costs £14. We then go for seared John Dory at £34. My wife can't find anything she wants to eat on the menu at all, and so opts for a plate of spinach to begin and some tomato variations pastas. The waiters are so greasy, he said, you can practically smell the brill cream. And yet it takes an age for any food to arrive. When it does, there's nothing much to it. Our room is fine. He really hated this place. Our room is fine if you like the idea of silver carpet and a velvet armchair. Do you know I do, actually? I quite like the idea of this one. He said, and, and because we can look straight into the side of a mansion block, across the way we can see a man lounging on a sofa watching television. In fact, we can watch the 10 o'clock news on his television as opposed to watching ours. <laughs> And the bill comes in at very expensive. He doesn't have enough money on his credit card. So he said, you're going to have to take the, the service charges off because they actually charge for everything. There's 12.5% service charge on both visits to the restaurant plus an additional 5% service. And he said, what's that? And that's for the backroom staff, says the receptionist. The backroom staff. So in other words, they're actually charging you 17.5% to eat in the restaurant. That sounds fab, doesn't it? You know, you ought to spend that much money. It's LBC. News is next. On FM, online and... Alan. Just going back to Mark Palmer's writing in, uh, about his night in the Hotel Volgari, Britain's most expensive hotel is open. Of course, that, now, the, the moment you say to somebody, Britain's most expensive hotel, is, is that the time that most people want to go and sample it. So they, they, they have dinner, there's lots of sort of check He said you need to have a bundle of £5 notes because everybody's holding their hand out. He said uh, lots of handshakes at checkout. The bill for a couple of cocktails, two glasses of wine, a two-course dinner, one of which was a bowl of spinach, a coffee, a smoothie, and a double bed for the night, was £1,100. It's quite a lot, isn't it, really? The manager watches as I peruse the bill. First, I spot a separate VAT item of 20% on the £670 room charge, then the 12.5%, and so it goes on. (laughs) So it's over £1,000. She says, the manager hopes my wife and I will return soon. For our part, however, we hope the the Bulgari packs up and takes most of its customers with it. It's not the best. They'll be sitting there this morning in the hotel going... I can't understand why he doesn't enjoy it. I mean, the, you know, there are very expensive hotels in London. This is quite clearly one, but it looks lovely. I mean, the swimming pool looks... looks it's a 25-metre pool. It looks absolutely lovely. There seem to be beds down the side of it, which looks lovely. I mean, I couldn't afford to stay there. And quite clearly, Mark Palmer was doing it on expenses, I should imagine. But uh, it's, not, it's not the best, best review I've ever read of a hotel in London. And they're all fighting for a bit of... Tri- There'll be people, as he said, it's full... Even the penthouse has sold out. So quite clearly, people like that kind of thing. And, and they do want it. Because a lot of people who go to these places, they aren't bothered about the cost. Unlike the rest of us who worry about the cost all the time. I've seen people sitting... I've seen East European women, or, you know, women from Saudi or places like that. They sit there texting. They're not particularly bothered about the food or anything. They, they just sit there texting, and then something arrives, and they, they have a nibble at it. And that's about it. But that's what they do. So that they wouldn't be worrying that it was... £1,100 for a meal for two. They'd probably think it was quite cheap. £1,100. I wouldn't do it, of course. I wouldn't do it. Uh, Bridget says, not only do we have to drive everywhere, but we have to pay extra. This is living in the country to have our septic tank emptied. We don't have mains, main, pardon me, mains drainage in our village. Good grief. So that's why it costs more money. £2,000 more to live in, in the country. I've got indigestion now than, uh, than it does to live in town. Uh, Paul says, did you say all cars have to have tax 
well, if you did, you're correct. However, the old vehicles don't have to pay for them. They're issued free of charge. But all cars must have an MOT. Well, they're thinking of, of doing away. Pre-1920, pre-30, pre whatever it is, they're going to do away with the MOT. And that's why people are up in arms about the whole blooming thing. But uh, but you you do have to have a tax disc. You can't not have one, but you do get it for free if it's if it's an old vintage car. I like the idea of that. Uh, Phil says East Grinstead will improve if they manage to extend the Bluebell Railway in the area. Oh, how lovely! You've got the oh, you've got the Bluebell Railway down there. Oh, well, that's even nicer, even nicer. Uh, eight for eight five zero. Steve at LBC dot co dot uk. Marion's got about a hundred LBC podcasts on the Kindle, which I take. Are they all me? Are they all me, or do we, have, do we have to share with a few other people? We know we are, we are very popular on the podcasting, and there will be one this morning at 7 o'clock, which is the free podcast. And uh, thank you for the weather update, says little Julie. It's uh, a good job I've not taken the umbrella out of my bag. I, know, I had to bring my umbrella in today, because yesterday, luckily, by the time I finished, I left here about half past 12 yesterday, and... Um, Mainly because we couldn't get Leo Sayer out of the building because he was chatting away. And uh, Tony Christie was chatting away. We discovered we've got lots of people that we know in common. So before you know what, then we had to record some, some intros and bits and we had to do these things. So by the time I left here, luckily the sun came out. So I was quite grateful because prior to that, ten minutes before, the heavens had opened. And it's going to chuck it down today, I'm afraid. It is absolutely going to chuck it down. So I warn you now, do take an umbrella, please. Do take an umbrella. I'm, I'm guaranteed, though... I'll see people later on. They'll all be outside Sandy's, the fish shop, I can tell. I just tell. Having their nice long drive in the morning. Actually, the, the good thing is, at least the, uh, the flowers are looking OK in the baskets. I, did, I had to do an hour session, I'm afraid, yesterday of, um, of sort of watering everything, just thinking. You get a bit of wind and uh, your baskets dry out very, very quickly. I do love the idea that the, the son in their editorial today, he says, how about this for a job? You spend 34 weeks a year in Westminster. From July the 17th, you're on a seven-week holiday, returning for a fortnight before another month off. You're paid £65,738, plus allowances. Welcome to the world of an MP. And now they're demanding a four-day week. The Sun has a suggestion. Why don't they just do a two-day week and get a proper job for the rest of it? Yes, it's not really a proper job, is it? I'm sure that some MPs are very very sort of studious, and they're the kind of people who put the hours in. But there's probably a lot of other people who've been doing the job for so long now, they're just doing it for the money. They're not actually sort of bothered about, you know, being an MP. Well, they're bothered about being an MP because of the money, which is good. Uh, it may be wonderful, but they have wonderful toilet seats in this hotel. Thank you. Uh, East Grinstead, famous for Sackville College, Medieval High Street, Victoria Hospital, and, uh, and also the uh, Macindo Guinea Pig Ward. Ah, right. Steve, an MOT isn't proof of roadworthiness, says so on the certificate. Which it's proof that the car has passed a certain standard, isn't it? It's proof that, that your car has brakes that work, that the lights are working, that your water bottles are full. Because I didn't realise that that was illegal. I've never actually, never actually been stopped by the police before and have them say, sorry, are your water bottles full in the cars? You can clean your windscreen. Drivers over 70 should be taken off motorways, says Martin. Um... Yeah, see, I would have thought motorways are the safest place for them. It's driving in London that is the problem for a lot of motorists. Because if you drive in London, it is, you spend your time on the, on the brake. I mean, I'm, I'm an automatic. So I do tend, all, tend to spend all the time on the brake. It's stop, start, stop, start, stop, start. But I'm very good. Uh, years ago, I probably would have jumped over an orange light. But orange means red, so I have to stop for them now. And I'm too worried that other people might jump coming from the other side. And we bombed it into town this morning. I mean, we really did bomb it. And there's people all over the place. 
all over the place, you know, lounging about all over Leicester Square. It should be closed as far as I'm only open to sort of people who know how to dress sensibly and aren't drunk. There was, there was one person sleeping today, yes. We didn't see any of the security in the square this morning. <laughs> uh, the iPhone app, when it shows up, shows a picture of you and says you're on air from 4 till 6 instead of 6.30, says Martin. It's disgraceful, I should get it. We shall look into that later and change that immediately. Outrageous, ladies and gentlemen. Absolutely outrageous. So somebody else saying, you know, we, we asked this question earlier on as to whether or not you think people should have a retest. And I now am totally, you know, of the opinion that we should have a retest. If you're on the motorway and you're 70, because, you know, you, you might think you're compass mentors, but your reactions, surely, as you actually sort of go through, you know, life slow down a bit. I mean, I've noticed slowing down just a little bit. I watched the other day on the television them putting the Olympic signs on the uh, the road. It's it's the, the five rings. They've got Olympic Channel or Olympic something. And I thought, well, so where's the rest of us supposed to drive? Uh, Paul in Upminster says, the type of people that stay in these very expensive hotels, Steve, probably don't even know the cost. I once worked for a very wealthy family who had someone walking with them just paying for things. Oh, I can tell you stories of people from Saudi who would turn up at Stringfellows and the driver would have a bundle of cash. I mean like a bundle of cash, which he'd been given and so the girls and the boys would go out to Stringfellows for the night and they would be ushered straight through. They would have a table downstairs. They would have their, their drinks or whatever. And the chauffeur, the driver, had all the money and he would pay for everything. So he, w- he was supposedly able to tip the doorman and, you know, all the people that need tipping. So they never, ever worried about money in the slightest. Who was that rap artist who went into, was it Norway? With, with, was it, wasn't Puff Daddy, it was somebody like that. And he had £24,000 on him in cash. In cash, £24,000. Oh, wow. I'm not even trying, am I, really? Mind you, I mean, having, having discovered how much Jimmy Carr was actually, uh, was actually saving, uh, which is good. Steve, uh, you can afford hotel. I thought you were a millionaire. I can, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't spend that much money. I would stay in a nice hotel, but, I mean, even spending £400, I wouldn't spend £400 on a room. Isn't it funny that, you know, even if, even if you could afford to do it, and I would save up for it, and I do save, I'm quite good at saving, but I just, I wouldn't, I would think that'd be a waste of money. It's only a room and a bed. I mean, I've stayed in a Premier Inn before now. <laughs> Why don't they pay me more money? LBC 97.3. Morning, 18 minutes past six. Welcome to Tuesday morning. Nick Ferrari, after the news at seven. Rachel Jane, deputy editor of the Sunday Express, We'll be in the studio looking through the papers. And uh, we wonder this morning whether a parliamentary inquiry will be enough to hold the cheating bankers to account. Plus, the angry customers now moving their money. I heard someone actually saying to Duncan Barks, you know, I have a good mind to go into my bank and take all the money out and keep it in a tin under the bed. And I thought, well, so how are you going to pay direct debits? Because if you look through your bank statement now, so much of it is, is banks being paid by you to transfer A to B. Because you can't pay bills now. It's, it's almost impossible to go in and actually pay a bill in the gas board. Does anybody remember the gas board exists? They used to be on the high street. You could go in and pay a bill. They don't exist anymore. They're all, you know, multinational companies. And you, you have to do it by, by direct debit. I mean, you know, we're, we're rapidly becoming a little bit paperless, I'm afraid, at the moment, which I, I, I hate. Because I like to see a physical piece of paper which tells me when the VAT is due, when, when the tax is due and everything else. Now it's all online. Uh, so we will be talking uh, to a lot of people about those of you who are thinking of moving their money. 25 days in counting and London facing one of the biggest security operations ever. Your chance to question one of the top police officers in charge of keeping the city safe. And that's all with uh, Nick Ferrari. 
after the news at seven this morning. The security out at the Olympic site is... I've never seen anything like it. I've seriously never seen... I mean, I've, I've been through airport security. We've all been patted down and put our stuff on the conveyor belts and it's gone through the x-ray machines. Here, they've got fingerprint recognition as well. And so when we went to pick up our passes, we went out there to record a piece uh, about the gardens, which are, which are really lovely, really lovely. And luckily, I'm, I'm a big fan of gardening anyway, so we'll, we'll play that out for you a little bit nearer the time. We'll talk to the head gardener down there and the man who's in charge of the whole site of sort of looking at a dream and four years in the making of something coming together. And uh, when we went down, you have to, you, you go in, and the, there was a queue a mile long of all the workers who have to get their passes updated. And there's a load of people sitting behind the counter looking like customs officials, and they look at, and you've got to take in, I had to take in my passport and or driving licence. Nothing else would do. Showing them my, my radio pass didn't mean a thing, even though they'd phoned us. You have to take in your, uh, your driving licence or passport. They then scan it, and then they take a picture, and then they, they produce your card. And then for all the workers on there, they've got fingerprint identification. So when you get to the actual entrance to the Olympic, there's 20 entrance, 20 um, sites where you've got to put your... So you have to empty your pockets... Now, to be honest with you, it's all right for ladies because all of your stuff is in a handbag. You just put the handbag in the, the box and it travels through the machine and they x-ray it. If you're a man, I've got stuff in every pocket. Every single pocket. I've either got glasses, insulin, phone, coins. You've got to take all your coins out your pocket. Belts, everything. Every single thing you can think of. And then you can finally get into the, <laughs> into the, uh, the Olympic Park. It's worth it, though. It's absolutely worth it. It really is. So uh, they'll be talking about that later on today because by the time you get thousands upon thousands of people going out there, the train station is busy enough as it is for Westfield. It's going to be even, even busier. Uh, just in case the morning uh, after pill during the Olympics, we're talking to the chief executive of the British Pregnancy Advisory Bureau and also the warnings which you've heard on the news with Sam Pittis about the care home child abuse, which has been going on for, for years and years and years. Paul Savory, our friend of the programme, is over in um, Hollywood at the moment and, and enjoying himself. And he went to see Barry Manilow. I'd love to go see Barry. We never went to the Hollywood Bowl. I've seen it. Uh, when we went to meet Julie Andrews, but she actually came to our hotel. When I went to meet Julie Andrews. Dreadful name drop, I do apologise. I'm so sorry. She, she came to our hotel. We didn't go to meet her at all. It was wonderful. It was really great. And, uh, and Janet was the, uh, the one with the long-suffering husband for those who came to our charity magic show at the Magic Circle, which uh, we had some, some nice famous people there, which was very good. And he said, I so enjoyed my first time of seeing you live. It was my poor, unsuspecting husband, Ian, who was called to go on stage twice. <laughs> Poor soul. She said, he's not even a listener to the show, but he does love magic. I take his tea up at seven when you're half an hour gone. Met some lovely people on Saturday. Neil, Julie, Lizzie, Michelle, amongst, and the, the delightful and famous Noreen. What a great bunch. She said, I, I will get Ian to listen to the podcast, and I will podcast late. We love people podcasting. We love people podcasting. Um... The best liberty take is number plates that people who know better make out their personal plates and space them out to make them look like genuine DVLA registered number plates, says Bill. I know, but sometimes you look at a number, don't you? Do you find yourself looking at number plates as you're going down the road thinking, what does that spell? What does that spell? And I never know. And I feel like tapping on the car window and saying, what's your name? <laughs> what do, how does that spell that? It's, to me, it looks like, you know, it doesn't mean anything at all. Uh, apparently you pay in a post office. Oh, that's right, if you want to pay your, your direct debits. That's so tedious, isn't it? So tedious. Joe says, driving, I think there should be a reassessment. 70 
yearly. You do slow down mentally. Reaction times are slower. And eyesight, too, causes accidents, especially at night. Actually, I'm a terrible night driver. It's the only thing I'm not very good at. Isn't it funny? Out of all the things I can do, I can't do very good driving at night. My eyes, my eyes don't, don't work too well at night. And so I, I do sometimes... I feel like nodding off at night on the motorway. I get completely bogged down with the whole thing and I just can't, can't bear it, I'm afraid. Can't bear it at all. Uh, the Eel Pie Club in Twickenham. They've got a big, big do this, uh, this Wednesday, I think it is. The 4th of July. 4th of July for lots of our uh, American listeners. Tomorrow we'll be celebrating. If This is a birthday tribute to the late Art Wood, brother of uh, Ronnie Wood. Special tribute led by Don Crane of the Downliners and the proceeds go to the Prostate Cancer Charity. There's details on eelpieclub.com and that's from, uh, from Warren and Gina. eelpieclub.com And uh, I, was, I was going to do wolf whistling this morning and then I thought better of it. I thought if I want to wolf whistle, I w- I've never wolf whistled in my life. I did it to somebody in the office once. I felt completely stupid doing it. I don't know why. And I wanted to do museums. But, uh, because you know I'm a big, big fan of museums. And we've done lots of, uh, lots of podcasting on museums over the year. And what they're saying now is that 22% of uh, museums who are in the Museum Association have actually closed or cut back. And I said yesterday, I went to this great museum. I don't know why they call it a museum. It's just a, it's an exhibition of, uh, of film stuff. And it's in the old theatre museum in Covent Garden which is a shame, but they've moved that into the V&A, so at least you get there. But it was lovely. And I think people will miss this film museum in Covent Garden, so it's next to Penhaligon's. I mentioned it yesterday, and it's well worth going to, because there's nobody in there. There is absolutely nobody in there. Uh, I had to endure every day, says Kevin, every day to get onto the Olympic site to deliver a few pints of milk. Somebody suggested getting a man bag. Phil the cabbie suggested that. Yeah, a lot of cabbies have got these. To be honest with you, every time I go abroad, I keep thinking the same thing. Why don't you just put it all in a man bag, and then you put the thing on the trolley, you've got all your... Have you got a man bag? Have you got a man bag? Do you have a man bag? You don't have a man bag. Would it be, would it be considered not sort of not butch enough to have a man bag? Oh, it's, it's too butch to have a man bag. Because if you, if you go to the continent, you know, as we do occasionally, all the European men have man bags. Everybody's got these bags where you keep your, your cigarettes, your wallet in. And, and they do some quite nice ones in sort of leather. And I'd probably end up with PVC. But, I mean, I must remember, next time I go anywhere, if I'm flying or I'm going to the Olympic site, actually put it all in a bag because it's going to be... It just saves time. It just saves time. But uh, fill, fill the cabbie, I think probably, probably for cab drivers, brilliant. Probably for cab drivers, brilliant. But uh, certainly uh, not... Uh, <laughs> not, not for me, I don't think. I don't, although on second thoughts, I might do it. I did have one when I worked in Vienna. I used it all the time because nobody thought it was odd because every single person had it. Every single person had it. But uh, I'm not sure in London whether you could get away with things like that. Do you imagine? Well, actually, I don't know. Perhaps I'd get something I'd just sort of sling over my shoulder. I don't want something that looks like I'm going on holiday. Uh, finally, the, uh, the front pages of the, uh, of the papers this morning. This is uh, roughly what everybody's telling you today. The Metro... Uh, this is on the front page, uh, Diamond, I'm proud of you all at Barclays. This is Bob Diamond, who battled to hold on to his job amid the storm over rape-fixing by telling the staff, I love Barclays. Uh, Katie Holmes stepping out in New York. This is her first appearance since they've, uh, decided to divorce. That's her and Tom Cruise after five years together. Obviously deeply unhappy there. She's got her head down, but at least she's wearing high-heeled shoes, which is always good news. I mean, she can sort of pull herself up to her usual height because he's only a little person. I love people who wear sort of um, stacked heels and things like that. Generally little tiny people who sort of work with somebody called Snow White or, uh, or anything or looking forward to doing Panto this year. Uh, the Sun on the front page 
Siri face cult. They're going to they're going to run with the Scientology thing. I think for a long, long time. I'm totally convinced that eventually, because we I've tried this morning to find out more, but you can't get Scientologists to phone. I think they are forbidden from phoning and discussing anything. They actually prefer it to be as secret as it as it possibly can. In fact, I don't even remember Tom Cruise ever talking about it or John Travolta in any interviews. Daily Mail this morning. Uh, the bunion operations that could cripple you. Oh, dear, if you suffer with bunions, you poor soul. Air Miles Andy at it again. He's apparently still a trade envoy. Well, he's not, but he's still taking the uh, the, the money for it. Uh, Charles and Camilla, on one trip, this is now that uh, the figures have been released, £460,000, and a proud mum who told how her unborn son battled back to life after doctors told her he was dead. Uh, Daily Express, the Royal Family, they only cost you 52 pence a year, which is good news, and millions of arthritis suffers, given hope by a revolutionary study that could lead to the first effective treatments. Have yourself a nice day. I shall be uh, doing a free podcast for you later on. It'll be available to you at about 7 o'clock this morning. Nick and the team with you at 7. I'm back with you at 4am tomorrow morning. Have a lovely day. Take an umbrella. It's going to absolutely tip down. Next, though, on LBC 97.3, the morning news with Susan Bookbinder. Peasants of Britain, it's time...